0: He thought he was in control, how wrong he was.
1: Up, it's Shane with Dynamis Media, and I'm joined here with Stefan. That's me. And you're tuning into the Dark Side Drive In, which is our horror theme podcast where we cover movies from this time, the 90s, mostly the 80s, and then sometimes the 70s. Um, <laughs> I have a very important question for you. What? I have a very important question for you.
0: Oh, no. I
1: wasn't prepared for this. Are you washed in the blood of the lamb?
0: <laughs> Indeed.
1: In the soul cleansing blood of the lamb.
0: Yes. You okay. know what? Every time they ask me that in that song, I was like, yeah. What a wild at least they intro. They don't ask it. They, they say it, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Or sing it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sing it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, well, if you haven't guessed, um, we are covering Demon Wind, which <laughs> is an adventure in in itself. Um <laughs> uh we both picked this so i think um we'll both take ownership of this if if you oh, did not watch is that,
0: it. How, is that how we're gonna do it now we're gonna do it play it back <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, I'm just as to blame for this <laughs>
1: uh yeah well look i hold
0: move, on before we move forward yep, on yep. this i do need to say something sure the when you talk about like are you washing the blood of the lamb or whatever like which Mm -hmm. plays like a creepy ish version of it plays during this Mm -hmm. it's probably my second favorite version of that song there's a version that plays in the video game wasteland 3 which is yeah it's so funny that version is so like funny the way it is and it's like while you're like going to like murder these guys like who are like (laughs) raiders or whatever you're going to murder them and they're like also like religious zealots it's like super funny so that's why this is only my second favorite version of Are You Watching the Blood of the Lamb.
1: That's fair. That's fair. Well, I think just to get some quick housekeeping out of the way, um, we are still running strong with Darkside Drive, Driving. thank you everyone for the support. It uh, means a lot to us. If you do like the show, uh, we'd appreciate it if you would um, give us a review and share it with a friend the other shows, some of them are going to come back. We'll release a full like statement on what's kind of going on, but, um, AGB still going strong on the streaming. He's doing the, uh, horror themed, um, spooky season streams. So, uh, give that a look. You can find him at, uh, Oh, he actually did fix his name. So it's uh, twitch.tv slash angry underscore green underscore balloon. So he's no longer German. Um, that's the thing. All I had for housekeeping. Why don't we uh, start maybe cutting into the um, cutting into the movie a little bit? So we did say it's Demon Wind. Um, it, Good.
0: Yeah, p- part two, part two of our Halloween season devilish duology.
1: There the, it is. I knew it. You did it alliter- this time.
0: The alliteration filled name of this two film event that I came up with for Halloween. You know, at
1: first, it's hard to say, but as you say it, it gets way easier. It's almost like it's supposed to be said in that order. You know what I mean? Like, it's always been the Samhain season devilish duology. So it
0: always has been.
1: It always will be.
0: Yeah, as long as 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 long as demon movies exist for us to do during Halloween, we will do the devilish duology.
1: We found so many good demon movies. I can't wait. I don't know if... I, I am mean, it's going to be hard to wait until next year, but um, I... I think we're probably already planning. I have at least one suggestion for next year that we were just talking about. So I'm pretty excited for it.
0: It's so funny to like tease it like that. And then maybe we'll do it next year. <laughs> like it's like you'll find out what movie it is. Yeah. Or you might actually already know it. We can give a hint. You might, if you watched uh, demon wind on Tubi. there's a chance that it went to play this movie it's automatically like next chance <laughs> since we both had it happen. And I had it happen all three times that I watched this. <laughs>
1: So there it is. If you want to know what we're talking about, watch Demon Wind on Tubi, and then let it autoplay at the end, and you'll see what's going on.
0: Yeah, stop watching Demon Wind on High on Life. Don't watch your movies through a video game.
1: Yeah, right. That's so crazy. So what was the other movie in that in that game?
0: The, the other one that I saw when I was playing was uh, Tammy and the T-Rex.
1: Yeah, that's nuts. Oh my god. So... The first, I've actually never seen this movie before this whole um, adventure we took, um, but I did see it in high on life. I didn't watch it in high on life. I just saw it and I looked it up and the memes that came out of this, I, I, I kind of want to give props to high on life for kind of breathing some more wind into this movie, but um, <laughs> thanks. Uh, well done. <laughs> thank you. Um, but man's just this, some of the memes that it could be th- this movie could have so much more potential. Um, I hope we at least get ten more people to watch this, so you could understand wh- what this movie is. Or, or, well, you won't understand what it is, but um, you'll at least enjoy it. So,
0: it was after it was in High on Life that it some of the more outrageous scenes started making the rounds on like TikTok and stuff, just completely out yeah. of context. And let's be real. The context doesn't help much. For a lot It of this doesn't
1: because I've seen most of those TikTok videos and I'm like, oh, I'm finally going to understand what these mean. I still have no idea what they mean. So, <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Well, I think we've uh, teased the movie enough. Like, uh, So um, why don't we get into who's actually in the movie?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's do the cast and crew, or at least as much as I will, you know, go into.
1: There's um, so many demons.
0: There are a lot of demons and honestly, uh, because of how heavily, like how much like prosthetics and everything, like they're made up, uh, I couldn't even tell you like which actors who are as credited as demons are, which ones, except like the main cast, when they spoiler alert are turned into demons, (laughs) then it's clear who they are, but mostly the one
1: demon and we'll get into her, but you can definitely tell who that is.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. That one. Yeah. That was, well, that was a trick. That was was a ruse. Uh, And then the only I guess I'll say it up front, like one of the demons is played by Lou Diamond Phillips uh, in an uncredited appearance, I think. Um, No idea which one. It's impossible to tell.
1: Yeah, I tried to I tried to look. I couldn't tell.
0: Yeah. What was the deal with that? Was he like seeing somebody who was in the film or was it that he just was around? I can't remember the reason for him. I don't know,
1: honestly. And so I watched it and then I looked at the credits and like, wait, Lou Diamond Phillips was in this movie. And I looked again. Um, let me see if I can find a picture of him,
0: a picture of him as the yeah. demon. I have to imagine that his like publicists got rid of all evidence of that. Like there's no way they'd let that survive.
1: Ah, there's no fucking way. This is him.
0: Um, well, according to, okay. So according to the IMDB trivia, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt, um, Lou Diamond Phillips was married to an assistant director on the film. So he would frequently visit uh the set and then he played a demon, but he he was credited but under a pseudonym. So which, not credited as Lou Diamond which, Phillips.
1: Which was what?
0: What was his pseudonym?
1: Yeah, it's I, I I have it here. Do you want to know what it was?
0: I'd love to, yeah.
1: Louis Jem Phipps.
0: There's no there's no way we would have guessed. Like why? <laughs> It was he just having? Yeah, I guess he was just having some fun. Yeah,
1: so uh, apparently, I mean, here I'm gonna I'm gonna chat this right now. I remember this demon. It looks nothing like him.
0: Wait, you actually found it? Yeah, I did. And you're gonna send it to me via chat uh, over our completely audio medium? Yeah, I did. Oh, sick!
1: <laughs> the kids love it.
0: Where'd you? Oh, there it is. Oh, I remember that one.
1: I remember I that know. guy. Yeah, that's such a good one.
0: Yeah, he looks it's like the a one little... that looked like he was
1: from the '90s.
0: Yeah, because he had like the 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 blazer and like uh, his and the ears. And yeah, look at his little ears. He had yeah. the pointy ears. Yeah, yeah, he was a very distinctive looking one. Probably yeah. the second most distinctive one after, well, third most distinctive one after the main one, the the ruse that we'll talk about. But then also like the one that had like the farmer's hat on. That dude was like a monstrosity. He was yeah. terrifying.
1: And then the beautiful demon.
0: Oh, yeah. That was when I met. I guess yeah. you were talking about super demon. Yeah. We, okay. So, yeah, is, I guess there's a few I... recognizable demons.
1: There's a ton of demons, guys.
0: All right. Well, now that we wasted time uh, figuring out who Lou Diamond Phillips plays, a character who's in, like, two scenes, let's go to the director. <laughs> and, hey, here's the thing. Double threat. He's both the director and the writer of this film. And that is Charles Philip Moore. Not a ton of credits. It looks like he has a lot of, um, like kind of basic action y films and a couple of horror ones. Uh, Dance with Death, uh, Black Belt, and then uh, Angel of Destruction were like his director credits. He also was a writer on, uh, you know, Black Belt and Angel of Destruction, and then additionally, uh, Twisted Nightmare, uh, Live by the Fist, and then Not of This Earth. Mm-hmm. And he was also an actor in, uh, Dance with Death. Uh, Black Belt, Dragonfire, and then The Unborn 2, among some others. The Unborn series, not being the more recent Unborn that was like kind of weird, but like this was one that's even weirder where I think that people are murdered by a monster baby. So I didn't know they made two. I think actually, I think I did know they made two. They think they made three, didn't they? Vamp for a second. I'm going to look up how many Unborns they made.
1: Did you say Scat for a second? Skibapu dooley boop boop.
0: That's not what I said, and I kind of wish I had. (laughs) Yeah, it is. So it's a murder, baby. How many of these were there, though? So there's a sequel called The Unborn 2. That's one that we're talking about here. Was there a third one? The correct answer is not enough. Not nearly enough uh, unborn. But yeah, there you go. He was he was an actor in that. There you go. Uh, He doesn't even like have his own Wikipedia article. So not a huge career out of this guy. This is probably his magnum opus. But moving on to the special effects, there's actually a team of uh, three special effects people. It looks like they were credited specifically for um, special effects, uh, uh, prop special effects, and then makeup special effects. But all of them kind of move in and out of all those categories during their careers, so I'm not going to differentiate between those things in their credits. The first credited is Fred Kramer. Uh, some actually like pretty serious stuff in his career here, starting out with like uh, the Deer Hunter. And uh, Good Morning Vietnam, a couple of, like, you know, kind of harder-hitting Vietnam movies. Uh, Inchon, uh, and then moving into more schlocky stuff. The Beast Within, uh, I'm Gonna Get You sucker. Thinner, based off of the novel by Richard Bachman. That was a good one. Yeah, did you, hey, did you know that Richard Bachman is actually Stephen King? Who? <laughs> Stephen King. You Maybe you've heard of him. He wrote uh, Pet Cemetery.
1: I know Richard Bachman. Richard
0: Bachman, Stephen King. Yeah, knew, Richard Bachman who wrote Rage.
1: I knew Dean Kuntz is.
0: Oh, yeah, the guy who wrote uh, Odd Thomas.
1: No, 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 he did The Shining.
0: <laughs> all right. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> it's over. Yeah, so that's all I was going to cover for Fred, for Fred Kramer, some pretty serious stuff. Oh, the Tuskegee Airmen. He did the effect, uh, the special effects for that, which uh, I think that's a really good movie. Uh, next up is one that's more active in like the horror realm. Uh, which is Cleve Hall. Uh, he was on the special effects uh, teams for like uh, nightmare sisters, which had a bunch of screen Queens in it. I think I brought it up during night of the demons episode when mm-hmm. we were talking about Linnea Quigley's credits, ghoulies, which ghoulies is probably my third favorite ghoulies movie after ghoulies two and ghoulies go to college. But uh Cleve Hall, I only saw credit for ghoulies uh, reanimator, a classic, Terror Vision, another classic, Evil Spawn, uh, Two-Headed Shark Attack, Big Ass Spider, which I think came up in another episode, Mm -hmm. Uh, and then also a costume designer on Yo Gabba Gabba. So (laughs) there you go. There's some, he's got a a varied career. And then uh, Jay and Silent Bob uh, Reboot, the most recent Jay and Silent Bob film.
1: I feel like that's a natural progression from Yo Gabba Gabba (laughs) to Jay and Silent Bob.
0: It just makes sense, man. It's a it's a clear career trajectory. This makes sense. Uh, and then the last of the special effects guys is uh, Bob King, and I only saw two other credits on his IMDb. Um, so if I miss anything, sorry about that. But he had a uh, Terminator Two, Judgment Day, and then L.A. Confidential. So two pretty big hitting movies to be involved in. If it's going to be like your only special effects credit on it, IMDb anyway.
1: So, so, so there, there's one. So. Normally we don't get into the makeup and for those you're like, Oh my God, just, just hear me out for a second. So in the makeup department, uh, there, I mean, there were a ton of people that have done a lot in Hollywood on this list, but one that stood out to me was David Anderson. So David Leroy Anderson. And, um, he's done a lot of stuff in recent years. Like he did uh, men in black cabin in the woods, nutty professor. He does a lot of stuff with American horror story. Um, so I thought it was just worth to, you know, give him um, like a shout out. Uh, we don't talk about the makeup a lot, but when we get into our judgment categories, um, we'll probably, he's going to help or hurt uh, that grade for sure. So just thought I would mention him.
0: That, yeah. Well, this one, that's the thing is the makeup is super important in this one. Um, In addition to like just the special effects teams. And I don't know if you saw, but um, there was like 21 People in the makeup department for this thing.
1: There, there was, yeah. Um, I think his brother was all. I mean, I'm assuming because his name's Lance Anderson. I would have to imagine they were siblings, but maybe not.
0: Oh no way! He's married to Heather Heather Camp.
1: Did you just make that name up?
0: No, Heather Longen She plays oh. uh, Nancy in the Nightmare on Elm Street movie. So up. specifically, like Nightmare on Elm Street, and then Wes Craven's New Nightmare, where she plays like herself. Because so it's like all meta. That's super cool. I didn't. I didn't realize. Yeah, they were. They've been married since like 1990. That's rad. Sorry to interrupt you. I just wanted to bring that up. No, I, I just think sometimes
1: team. we 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 hop over stuff like that quickly. I um, mean, he's been like Pet Cemetery. I mean, this guy's done a lot of stuff, and like the other makeup people have all been on stuff, but he seems like he's like the head designer and character creator and makeup artist on a lot of these movies. Um, so I just thought it would be worth giving him a shout out.
0: Yeah, no, that was a good call. I didn't even think about that. So, well done, sir. Thanks. Um. So, yeah, moving on, then I'm probably going to go to uh Bruce Wallenstein, who did the music and what music it was. Granted, he didn't write uh, uh Are You Washing the Blood of the Lamb? That's an older song. <laughs> but uh, he also didn't write, what was it, uh, Ride of the Valkyries? That yeah, plays I was going fucking... to say, yeah, he <laughs> Yeah, don't let don't let Wagnerians hear you say that. But <laughs> you can tell that a lot of this music is definitely the work of one person.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh
0: he does have a ton of a ton of credits. Uh, there's like uh Twisted Nightmare was one of the films that I, I picked that one because uh that was also uh one that was written by the director, uh, Charles Philip Moore. And then he had like credits for like X Factor UK, uh and then some Eastenders, Back to Hours show. Not a ton of stuff, but I can't imagine why after the showcase for his music talent that this movie was. <laughs> um and then from there I'll probably just start diving into the cast. Uh it's a big cast, but not a lot of uh credits to go through uh mercifully. So we'll probably just be I'll just be moving through uh the cast basically in order of appearance, I think is how I, I did it. Or well, it's appearance until a certain point, and then I just kind of just go through it. Um so our main character is Corey, as played by Eric Larson. Um, he has a credit listed, a uh, big one, in fans of uh, kind of terrible 80s movies. The It's called Uninvited, the movie that questions if you're on a boat with a mutant murderous cat, will it eat your arm? And the answer is yes.
1: I was going to say. <laughs> Ooh, hey, 1987, guys.
0: We could do it. And we probably should. This, it's a good one. I saw that one in like uh, they did like a riff track screening at the row house. And I went to see it actually in a theater. Um, he, I, anyways, he was also in uh, one episode each of Hunter, the show with Fred Dreyer, and then also an episode of Angel. Uh, his most recent credit was this year, something called Harbor. Um, but uh, it looked like from what I could see, he was best known for his uh, or is best known. He's not deceased. Uh, best known for his stage work. Um, I didn't go into that because I don't really understand stage work. Um, So there you go. He's still working, but it seems like his career is focused on the stage. Um, Cool. Yeah. Next up will be uh, his girlfriend, Elaine, um, as played by uh, Francine Le Penze. That's how I think it's spelled, because there is an accent on one of the two E's at the end. Um, and she's got a pretty interesting career. So she had like, uh, some obviously kind of schlocky looking movies, um, death chase, alien, private eye, uh, born killer fist of honor, um, dead punks, but punks with a Z. uh, her most recent acting credit was a while ago it was 2002 with something called foolproof. Uh, but what was interesting about her career was that she's also got a lot of stunt credits listed. Um, including um, Twisted Nightmare, the one that we'd mentioned already twice now, mm-hmm. um, uh, Born Killer, which she was also a star in, and then Dead Punks, which she was also a star in. So it's always interesting to see somebody who has like a lot of like side-by-side credits, to be credited as a stunt person in film and then to be credited as an uh, actress. Next up is our old man warning you not to go into the swamp. Uh, Harcourt um, as played by Rufus Norris and probably the first time I think I've ever had it where he he was not listed on IMDB. In order to get his credits, I had to go to like tvguide.com so, That's amazing. Yeah, he, was, he did not have an IMDB page. I was like, man, almost everyone does. Some other stuff he was in uh, was something called Cutting Horse, but he also had a lot of directing work well not a lot comparatively a lot considering he only had like two acting credits uh, he's the director of broken london road and then uh, my country a work in progress so that's it for rufus norris next up is the <laughs> constantly creepy ish like i guess i don't know if you call him creepy but more like a line stepper of sorts is dell that's played by bobby johnson the guy who makes out with other people's girlfriends
1: yeah i was and we'll get into that one but that was we can, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it, a lot of his career is kind of hard to see what he was doing um because it it's hard to tell when he's in like one of those like kind of sleazy 90s like uh like sexually explicit thrillers and when he was in like softcore <laughs> pornography <laughs> because he has like like titles like okay so we go through animal instincts siren's kiss sinful intrigue stripper wives deadlock a passion for murder what are those and th- that's just a sampling of the titles that i saw in his list um, there's definitely some that were definitely like pornographic films and i saw that he had like uh, play he was a-, a playgirl model so he was not shy about this part of his career but some of his other credits were like an episode of Witchblade. He had some other TV show one offs. Um, And then the most recent credit he had was something called DC 9 11 Time of Crisis, which just goes to show once you're done doing like uh, sex thrillers and softcore pornography, you can do a 9 11 movie.
1: I'm more interested in Sue Thomas, FBI, but the I spelled EYE.
0: Oh, is that one of his credits?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that I did like a lot of
0: those, look at those titles.
1: (laughs) Hold on. Sue Thomas is a deaf woman who works for the FBI in Washington, D.C. Using her ability to read lips. And with the help of her dog, Levi, she solves tough crimes that her hearing colleagues and listening devices can't crack.
0: Oh, man. Well, that's the thing is like, it's hard to tell from the title. And I was mostly looking at titles. So I didn't get into the plot details of some of these things.
1: Dude, how did that not jump off the page at you?
0: man there's so many things there's so many things to scroll through but like look at some of those other titles he has it's like i would like invent a drinking game and it's like we're gonna play a drinking game is it porn or 90s thriller and then you have to guess which one it All is right, let's
1: let's let's try one now okay i'll give, i'll go one for you you ready sure okay scandal sex at students.edu
0: softcore porn
1: okay talk sex
0: that's that's gotta be softcore porn. Wait, are you gonna check these? Or are you just gonna say it? Say the title: Sex Files, Pleasureville. That's gotta be porn. Now I think you are just is this? These are his credits. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm on here.
1: Erotic Confessions, Volume Eleven.
0: Yeah, that's gotta be. All that's right, gotta this is for porn. sure
1: softcore. Total Recall, 2070.
0: No, that's a show. Like we <laughs> we've had other people uh, who we've seen be in that show.
1: Okay, Melrose Place.
0: That's also a television program. All right. <laughs> all right, and that has been a game that we Can- invented. Canceled. <laughs> yeah, well, we also don't know if I won or not, so I don't know if I have to take a drink I mean, or not. Um, I'll just assume I won. It seems like I had a pretty good handle on all
1: that. I feel like that game, every everyone wins, right? That's true.
0: Um, oh, so that was all I had for Bobby Johnson uh, as Dell. Um, interesting career. Next up is... Dell's uh girlfriend terry as played by lynn clark um she actually uh i noticed during in some of her like trivia that she went to carnegie Mellon. Oh, shit. Uh, she wasn't from pittsburgh but she went to hollywood via pittsburgh due to going to carnegie Mellon. she uh most of what i saw that she was in was like television programs so to rattle off a few of the uh old familiars the uh, 54 episodes of santa barbara Uh, A couple episodes of Seinfeld, one of Sliders. Uh, Her last was in 2000. It was an episode of something called Grapevine. Don't even know what that is. But there you go. That's Terry. Or Lynn Clark, I guess. Terry is the the character that she played. (laughs) Uh, Next up is Jack. As played by Mark David uh, Fritsch. Not a lot of credits here, but some uh, interesting ones. Uh, Somewhere in Time. uh, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. The superior of the two Elvira films. Uh, And then Merchant of Evil in 1993 is his last credit. And he unfortunately passed away in uh, 2016. And then uh, his love interest in this, I gather. It seems like a lot of these are coupled up. So uh, with two notable exceptions that are coming up. Um, But uh, his girlfriend is Bonnie, as played by Sherry Lee. But she's credited in this as uh, Sherry Bendorf. And she's another one who had a a kind of twofold career in both, uh, acting and stunt work. So for acting, she was in, uh, Slaughterhouse, uh, Born Killer, Happy Hunting, Manifest West was her most recent credit in 2022. Uh, stunt-wise, she was in Birds of Prey, the show, not the Harley Quinn movie, Tork, uh, The Pink Panther, (laughs) the one with Steve Martin, uh, Poseidon, uh, and then her most recent credit was an episode of Jane the Virgin. She had a couple other recent TV shows. I think Breaking Bad, she had some stunt credits in, too. So. She seems to still be pretty active, out there. Our next couple is a couple of showbiz bros, or at least that's what they seem to be. First is Stacy, is played by uh, Jack Forcinito. um, credited here as Jack Vogel. Um, he was in Evil Alter, Black Belt, kind of going back to another one of this director's credits. Uh, he has some really fun ones: Night Trap, Mutant Species, Zombie Wars, Silent Night, Zombie Night. You know, just to get you so you know what you're in for. Uh, Jurassic City, The Last House, Typhoon, and his most recent credit this year was Shrapnel. I had to bring up some of those because, like, I think Zombie Wars, Silent Night, Zombie Night, and Jurassic City were all like sci-fi movies. Or if they weren't, they were like those asylum-like blockbuster, like mockbuster movies.
1: So he was probably my favorite character. I think Stacy. Yeah, one of them. There were two.
0: Yeah, he was super cool. He was he was an interesting dude. Um, they probably have one of my favorite scenes in the movie, which we'll get into. Um, I'm assuming that you mean him and then his uh, his his cohort, who seems to be like he's his like hype man or what? something. Yeah. And that is Chuck, the magician played by Steven Quadros. Now, this dude has a career. <laughs> he was an MMA fighter and he's had a lot of credits on uh, movies and TV shows as a fight coordinator and he's also been the commentator for like high profile actual like MMA fights and stuff like that as far as his acting credits go he had like uh Blood Fist 7 Manhunt <laughs> Kindred the Embraced he had an episode of that like Vampire the Masquerade show uh Cradle to the Grave remember 2 is the number 2 the Jet Li like uh, i think it's what Jet Li and uh is DMX in that one mm. I'm pretty sure D- DMX is in it i think so and then uh, his last credit that I saw was It Snows All the Time, which looks way more sweet than his uh, more violent <laughs> credits that he had before that. So there you go. That's Stephen Quadros, the well, MMA fighter who shows off his skills in this movie.
1: So interesting fact about him. And this was on IMDb. So he was actually a, um, he's actually a drummer. And he moved to L.A. and was kind of making it in his band. It was called Snow. Um and the only other person in that band that was famous was um Carlos uh I think it's Cavazo and he was the guitar player for Quiet Riot and rat and then it also said that they flew Steven to audition for Kiss but because of his fighting and stuff he kept breaking his hands and he couldn't play drums anymore. So this is kind of that's kind of what he ended up doing is going into showbiz. I thought was cool.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's an interesting way to do it. It's like, well, I couldn't be in Kiss, so I just became an actor. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and what's weird with him is he's, like, he looks just enough like a bunch of other celebrities that he's, like, passable. Like, from a quick glance, you're like, oh, is that Kevin Bacon? Or, like, you know what I mean? Like, you just look quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. he's a
0: very interesting face structure. Yep. Uh, it's very distinct. Yeah, so, that Stephen Quattro, What a man. Next up is a late addition to the crew. Uh, Willie is played by uh, Richard Goodbye. He has another one with some of those credits. It's like, I'm not sure if this is pornography or not. Uh, So I pulled out some of the ones that weren't in order to just not even try to play that game again. Uh, So he was in Nightmare Sisters. The we mentioned earlier, the uh, Linnea Quigley film. He's in Assault of the Party Nerds, which just seems like it's a more straightforward retelling of Revenge of the Nerds, a movie that has not aged well.
1: Well, the sequel has a very interesting title.
0: The second assault of the party nerds. Yeah. What is that one's title? I, I saw it, but I can't remember.
1: The heavy petting detective. Ooh,
0: yeah. Well, there you go. That that's kind of the idea. Of the kind of career he's had. Um. He was in Dinosaur Island, which do not make the mistake of watching that thinking it's about dinosaurs. It's basically softcore porn, but also with a the the robot dinosaur from uh, the Carnosaur series is in it. Nice. Then he was in the remake of the wasp woman, which of course I'm going to bring up. Uh, he was in, uh, Raptor, which I believe I'd mentioned Raptor in previous episodes, which is one of the, yeah. One of the films in the carnosaur series. It was in, uh, the curse of the Komodo, which is a movie that I bought on DVD from one of my local movie rental stores when they were going out of business. It is not good. Uh, And then one of his more recent credits is uh, Piranha Women, which is, like, a movie about, like, models being turned into piranhas that is, like, a Charles Band production. (laughs) So, yeah, it's part of, like, the Full Moon Features, like, uh, umbrella. So, there you go. I didn't go through. You'll notice if you're, like, following along while I do this, a lot of his credits are, like, clearly pornographic. and some of them, it's not obvious. So, I skipped over a lot of that.
1: I'm sure everyone thanks you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, then Willie. Uh, I mean, Willie's girlfriend is Rena, as played by Mer, uh, Mia M. Ruiz. She's only got a few. Uh, Witchcraft 2, The Temptress, uh, Wild at Heart, and then also Black Belt. I feel like a lot of these people were in like Black Belt, or at least one of the director's other projects, which is interesting. Uh, then there's a couple people that I'd put that only have like no other credits in this, but I'm going to mention them, so I figured I might as well bring them up. Uh, Harriet, the lady who runs the cafe, as played by Kim Santel. Uh, George, Corey's, like, grandfather, as played by Axel Tuway. Regina, Corey's ghost grandma, as played by Stella Kastner. Her only other credit was something called Dark Room, uh, which looked like it was some kind of thriller. Uh, Corey's dad, uh, Jake Jacobson. uh, That's it. No other credits for Jake Jacobson. And then here's what we kind of promised up front. Uh, I think she's credited as beautiful demon, but I would more it's more apt to credit her as topless demon, in my opinion, uh, as played by uh, Tiffany million, credited here as uh, Sandra Margot. So the the interesting thing about her is that she started out her career as part of the uh, what is it? Gorgeous ladies of wrestling glow, which they actually made that Netflix show about. She was one of them in like the uh, like what was that the late eighties who was a part of that, hmm. but her career kind of took a turn, um after she did that into basically acting and then eventually, like basically full on like adult films like she like became an actual like porno, uh, pornographic star, um but she started out like doing some bits in like uh Tales from the Crypt uh the Caged Fury Spirits and then stuff like and then she moved into like. I think at this point in her career, when she was in this, uh, she was already transitioning into like adult films. Um, but what's interesting is after that, she came back for what I think was an unscripted reality show called the original ladies of wrestling, which I think had a lot of the women who were part of glow back in the day.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: and then according to uh, the IMDb trivia, she's now a private investigator licensed in California with like a private detective agency, which is interesting. Wow. Yeah. So her career has been like kind of all over the place, but it was like an interesting story because according to what I had read that she actually left the, the uh, glow organization because she felt like the um, the producers and stuff like that were uh, harassing her because they thought that she might've been in like a lesbian relationship with one of her uh, fellow wrestlers. So she felt harassed there and then decided to move on to adult films which is notoriously not a nice place for women to be like they often face harassment and like uh, stuff like that. So it's very interesting that, that she decided that rather than deal with glow anymore, she would take that career trajectory. And then the last one is the Grand Demon, um, who I often will call in my later in the plot description, the super demon. Uh, it's played by C.D.J. Coco, credited here as D. Coco. This is it for, for that individual, this, uh, this film is the grand demon and then also stunts in this. So that was the entire cast and crew as I covered. Um, did you have any others that you wanted to add? I know there's a lot of like one-off characters and stuff like that.
1: No, I think we hit, I think we hit the major core, you know, group that, that you would need to cover to understand or try to understand this movie.
0: (laughs) Yes. I don't think that it is a guarantee that you will understand, but at least it'll help you help you along the way.
1: Well, hey, you know, one way we could understand this movie. How's that? How is
0: that? Oh, is that you wanting me to say? it? I thought you wanted to say it because. No, I want you to say it. Oh, okay. Well, then I will. I will. All right. Take two. (laughs) Yes, I do know how you can understand it. If I go through and do a plot description. seamless seamless Seamless. transition um okay (laughs) opening opening credits red letters over a black screen which gives an interesting symmetry to the gate because it also had uh uh red letters over a black screen although i don't really dig the song as much in this one it's mostly just ominous tones and then the sound of like wind
1: i mean that's Um, what that's what the subtitle said so
0: said ominous tones pretty much
1: it was like it was like ominous music and wind
0: all right pause the game for a second so i did actually watch this one time with the subtitles and i don't know I think so it was on, wrong it was on tubi and i was watching them with the subtitles yeah. dude they were wrong and it seemed like there were times that they didn't even try
1: It's just mumbling it's just incoherent mumbling
0: yeah and it's like i understand what he's saying like i used to do this for a job i used to do yeah closed captioning well, it's all AI know yeah but like uh, it's not all ai actually well okay i don't want to get into this because i know how it's done or at least how it was done 10 years ago when I worked in this industry. But dude, I got to tell you just right now, the, the mumbling was just a time where it's kind of hard to understand, but rather than take the time to like, you know, actually transcribe it and listen to it, they just like said, Oh, mumbling, move on. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not even that hard to understand. Cause, and I'm sorry, cause this isn't what we're here to do, but I gotta say it. Whenever I worked in closed captioning, they would always give me Turner classic movies stuff because of the fast talking, like, you know, thirties and forties people, like how yeah. they talk so fast because I was one of the only people that could understand them. So I would like be <laughs> like, Oh yeah, I know exactly what this is. Cause I was like a big nerd who just watched all these like film noir movies and stuff. So it's like,
1: yeah, see, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, they can say it as fast as they want. And they use like archaic turns of phrase, but I'd also read a lot of like Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett novels. <laughs> so I knew all those weird turns of phrase. So like they would always assign me Turner classic movies. <laughs> And I was like, and now who do they give them to? They can't even get somebody who can like understand a dude talking kind of fast in 1990. They just want to put mumbling on there. Uh, anyways, that's my uh, that's my rage at the current state of the closed captioning industry. So in my in my day, you actually listened.
1: I thought was funny is usually they don't like annotate what's happening with sound. Sometimes I mean sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But when it's just like it just says wind, it's like okay like all right we
0: well, that's it. how I know it isn't the company that I worked for cuz they would not let that fly yeah <laughs> they would not let you be like wind it's like wind wind what wind does what but like it was not actually this one it was um in the gate when some of the sound effects were like uh uh it was like insects singing or something and they weren't i was like how can you describe that as singing but i was like eh, i'm just splitting hairs here i'm being too hard on it well let's go then we get demon wind where they don't even bother with some of the audible dialogue. Like get out of here. Like deaf people are counting on this. Like that's yep. a requirement to have like for the hearing impaired. Like that's so wild to me. Anyways, whatever. Back to the movie smash cut to sudden burning corpse on a cross. <laughs> um, that's that's what my notes say, but it also like, it's kind of weird because you would think, Oh, so it's like crucified, right? Not really. It's kind of hanging there, but like it's not clear how because his hands are like kind of like curled up in front of it, so it's like maybe hung from the head, like it has like a little hook on the top of the head that they hung it up because it's a fake skeleton. I don't know. I'm not. A, I'm not a skeleton scientist, but uh, you know, our ominous tones continue as we move towards the dead body of a young man in the grass nearby to the burning corpse on the cross. By the way, we'll never know who that corpse is on a cross. We will find out who this young man is, but um uh now we go inside a a small house it's kind of quaint um there's a fireplace burning a lot of candles um there's a panning shot that goes over uh pictures of random people but also like so many pictures of jesus (laughs) like 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 a lot of them yeah Yeah, like
1: a lot of pictures of jesus
0: and often white jesus it's like we gotta have a conversation here but I, I, this is where we hear our version of uh, are you washing the blood of the lamb playing while we look at all of these like pictures the of family version. and Jesus. Yeah, the whole song, like the whole song the whole plays thing. out a slow panning shot to give you plenty of time. And I, I was trying to think of a way to like phrase like how many pictures of Jesus is it? It's like, you know, the number of pic- pictures of Jesus you'd see if you visit your grandmother's house. That's how many pictures of Jesus. And I thought about it and it's was like, I actually think I've seen some of these pictures of Jesus at my grandma's house. And then I thought about it and I was like, and they're probably at my mom's house now. because She also <laughs> has a bunch of pictures of Jesus around. But it's like not even this many. Like, this is so many pictures of Jesus. Yeah. And then my notes, I say, seriously, how many pictures of Jesus or Mary can there be in one house? Um. Well, here's the secret. It's not going to help him with demons. Uh, getting ahead of myself. Uh, on the kitchen table is like a full turkey. I don't know why they needed an entire turkey for two people. Um, and then just candles everywhere. And you know how I feel about candles. I've talked about it before. There are candles everywhere. Doesn't make sense. Well, also seems to be electric turkey, lighting. So... Jesus loves turkey?
1: Yeah, it's Unlikely,
0: that. considering it's a new world bird. <laughs> and he died in 30 AD <laughs> before we ever came to the United States. Get out of here with that. Tell me Jesus loves turkey. He didn't even know what it was. Well, I guess maybe he did if he's like the Trinity is that God and Jesus are like the same dude. So, yeah, I guess you probably have knowledge of turkeys, but he definitely doesn't know what they taste like. Um, well, 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 I guess that is part of omniscience. <laughs> he does everything, including what turkeys taste like. <laughs> <laughs> well, how weird is that to be to know what turkey tastes like, but never have tasted it? That'd be so crazy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, okay, but now to kind of juxtapose against all of the religious iconography, we also have like a bunch of witch symbols on the ground, like mm-hmm. like uh, pentagrams and whatnot. So it's like, huh, what's going on here? This is kind of weird. Luckily, the story will tell us sort of later. There's like a cross on a wall that's boarded up. So you're like, okay, they're doing a tons of tons of preparation for uh, probably demons. Then suddenly, a lady stands up. She has a scrape on her back. She must have been attacked, possibly by demons, considering the name of the movie. And according to the demons that are outside of the home, uh, her name is Regina, and she apparently has spells that keep the demons out, which I guess explains the witchcraft symbols. So, okay, so she has spells that keep the demons out, but they're saying, hey, you can't keep us out forever because we're demons and we're going to get in there. Uh, She shouts for George, who is her husband, uh, and shows up behind her. Uh, She hugs him and uh, asks if he brought the daggers and the diary uh, these are important tools that'll come in handy later. So jot that down. These are our Chekhov's daggers and diary. Even though we don't see them, we they are mentioned. But because she's hugging him, she doesn't see that George is spitting up what looks like a bloody, chunky cottage cheese like onto her shoulder. Gross effect. You Man. could have shown me he was going to become a demon in so many other ways. Um, but yeah, she looks up and realizes something's wrong. And we get a transformation scene uh, of George at first he looks like he has maybe like a skin condition and he spits up some more goop. Uh, But then his eyes turn red and he screams as he like starts to distort out of his clothes. It's interesting effects. I think it helps that it all looks kind of wet. Yeah, Um, If it's wet, it's gross. So, and then he grows like big old crooked teeth in his mouth. And by the way, during all of this, the outside demons are gibbering, but there's like a lot of vocal distortion on the demon voices. And there's so many times I can't tell what the hell they're saying. So if you're picking up on what those demons are laying down, Shane, you'd chime right in there, buddy. Because I do not know. And I refuse to. Uh, and you know, hey, guess what didn't help? The captions.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> they didn't it say like, an audible chatter or something like you? I, don't, basically, I can't remember yeah. Basically, something.
0: whatever the laziest thing they could come up with was, that's what they did.
1: I might leave the caption bit in.
0: Well, you probably should. Because like, I... I'm going to reference it a couple times, I think, throughout yeah. this. Okay. Um, and it is germane to this movie, I guess. Yeah. Regina uh, picks up a snow globe and tells George to remember that if the crystal breaks, it'll be the end of both of them. Well, demonized George is unfazed and comes in for the kill. And he says something like really mean to her. Like, I'm going to get you. My pig is like, hey, bud, even though you're a demon, that's your wife, you can't be saying that. Uh, He starts chomping down like way too much blood dumps down onto the snow globe uh, which she drops and when it breaks the house explodes. Yeah, what the fuck was that C4? (laughs) That's what I mean. It was like, hey kids, uh, remember don't fill your uh, snow globes with nitroglycerin because
1: this is is our Tannerite snow globe.
0: Yeah, and that's like another thing it's like never explained. It's just like
1: God, they got a lot of mileage out of that house explosion uh, um, scene though, don't they?
0: Oh, how they like kept cutting to the different angles. It's like, make sure they get every possible. It's like, they paid for this effect. It's like, we'll be damned if we're not going to use it.
1: Yeah. And they used it again later.
0: Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Whenever the house again explodes, <laughs> which again, which makes sense kind of later, which we'll explain the plot, how the house can explode twice, <laughs> But uh, but anyways, um, smash cut to presumably later we have no sense of time but we will be told later that that was a long time ago uh there's a car driving down a ridiculously small country road like um i just noticed in my note i spelled the wrong kind of road i spelled r-o-d-e instead of r-o-a-d nice what a dunce likely i'm not turning this in for college credit (laughs) um but yeah it's like it's like a not even a one lane road it's like a dirt like it's not even like a dirt road it's like it's like barely a road yeah it's like a driveway like a glorified driveway through like the countryside um of and apparently this is where Ohio. we have Ohio
1: what of apparently Ohio this
0: they is had Ohio, Ohio plates
1: on their they had Ohio plates on their car oh did they yeah
0: oh yeah because I looked it up it was filmed somewhere in California I was like oh, of course it was might as well be another country to me I've never been over there <laughs> um but yeah so um. Uh, here we meet our heroes, a man named Corey, based on what his girlfriend is calling him, uh, who's being kind of rude and dismissive to his girlfriend, Elaine, um, about why they're here and what they're doing. Um, But evidently, they're going uh, to go to his family's farmhouse. Um, And that's when we get the feeling that, uh, you know, he's found out some crisis stuff about his background because she asks him. What his dad was like, and we get a flashback right as soon as she says that to him, opening a door to a disheveled old man who also has photos of Jesus on and can- and also candles on his wall. So jot that down; it's a family trait. the, the old man says, "Corey," he says, "Dad." The scene ends. That was it. So yeah, what was your dad like, Corey? Dad, great. And he's like, "Oh, it's just some old drunk or whatever." Being very dismissive, Uh, Elaine's upset because uh, Corey apparently hasn't said more than 10 words to her on the entire trip and has barely talked to her in the last couple days. It's kind of interesting because it seemed like he would have said more words to describe that flashback, but I get the feeling he's not actually telling her about his like little visions until he explicitly does it. And then here's like one of those long and really dumb scenes that I super hate, which is where uh, the SUV is just driving horizontally along the road. Not even following like the uh, what is it? The um, who's the director of like the searchers and all those John Wayne Westerns like Ford Apache, uh, John Ford, not even following the John Ford rule of putting the horizon either on the top or the bottom. No, 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 no. The car and the road are directly in the center of the frame and they're driving as a little girl uh, who looks pretty creepy is pointing at their car with a stick as it drives horizontally across the frame. And she just follows it for the entire time. And I was like, Oh, this is creepy. Oh, this is going on a really long time. All right. this is just annoying. Literally yeah, it was, such a long scene.
1: It's like at least five minutes.
0: It was so long. It was like, and then, yeah. So basically the entire time it took them to actually drive.
1: So like, I usually don't write notes down and I did for this one. Cause Stefan asked me <laughs> to, and I literally wrote, dude, what is happening? <laughs> just literally driving and then i also wrote wish.com emilio estevez so
0: um, <laughs> Corey how he looks yeah yeah. yeah. he definitely has an s este- yeah, emilio estevez look yeah yeah for sure yeah um but yeah so the scene's supposed to be an o- uh, ominous not anonymous it's supposed to be ominous based off the synth music it's playing uh but like i said it way overstays its welcome yeah. um and then the little girl pokes a cow skull with worms crawling on it um, I guess it's supposed to symbolize something but here's the problem that skull is like clearly like a treated skull like it's been like bleach and stuff like that Right. Yeah. and the worms look like they were just like dumped on there like a few minutes ago because it's not like the skull's underground and those are earthworms like how would they get on top of this skull They're
1: like fishing guys, worms
0: yeah guys that's not worm science that's not how worms do yeah so anyways uh, Corey uh, sort of explains what's going on finally um, explaining to Elaine that ever since, uh, you know, he saw his dad, he's been drawn, uh, to, uh, the, uh, farmhouse, like been drawn back home. Uh, but then they come over a little hill, like a slight grade, uh, to see a gas station and cafe, which, okay, let's just get this out of the way. What a terrible road to set up a gas station and cafe on. Like how much traffic does this road get? It's barely a road. Well, we'll find out why. <laughs> A little later, but we don't have a lot of time to really think about it because uh, Corey is like, yo, I've seen I've been here before. And Elaine's like, what do you mean? And he's like, in a dream, cut to dream. He's standing naked in front of the gas pumps with a book in his hand. Uh, And then Regina, his grandma, comes out uh, and says, welcome home. And she's got like her throat torn out and blood all over her face and bloody mouth and starts laughing. And he just screams. And then it cuts back to him staring at the gas station.
1: Well, he sees the necklace too.
0: Oh, he does see her necklace. That's true. That's going to be germane for later when he can identify her corpse. Yep. Um, And also we know what the book is later too, that he had, but Mm -hmm. um, not yet. No, 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 no. Don't get ahead of it. But yeah, so uh, the SUV approaches the gas station. The old man who we will later learn is Harcourt of Harcourt station. It's called Harcourt station. That's the name of the station. Which is actually funny because they never say his name to introduce him. But Corey just starts calling him Harcourt. So I feel like there's a scene cut where he introduced himself. But they decided, no, we're just going to go with the old man straight up being like menacing. And again, yeah, Harcourt's standing out front of the gas station looking menacingly at them. Uh, Harcourt's uh, almost instantly hostile towards Corey. Because Corey's asking about the Carter place, Carter being, I guess, Corey's family's name. Which is mm-hmm. like another one of the many times that we don't really know Corey's background explicitly, but it's sort of implied that he was like adopted and didn't meet his father until very recently and didn't know anything about his family because his last name is like uh, Harden, right? Like his, I think so, if, yeah. He doesn't have Carter, which is his family name, yeah. But uh, they they say his name a few times. I just I never wrote it down. Um. Uh. But yeah. So uh, he's asking uh, Harcourt about the Carter place and remarks that it's on a map somehow on a map a house is on a map uh harcourt says the map is wrong and if they don't want gas then they can leave and then harcourt like walks to the side of the building and they just like stares back at Corey, who like stares back at him and they kind of like have a lingering glance or lingering glare and then harcourt just like walks to the back of the building it's like all right i guess his work here is done uh it's not though But yeah, Corey's like, no, Harcourt's wrong. The map says right here. And also I have my dream. So that's two things that say that this house exists. So they both go into the cafe, you know, and, you know, Corey's doing the whole, Hey, is anyone here? You know, because there seems to be no one answering. Although you get one of those like scene, like one of those like camera angles that seems to imply someone's like looking at them, but you don't see who it is. Hey, how
1: cheap was that food?
0: Oh yeah. All that food. Yeah. It was like a quarter for a
1: cheeseburger. I was like. What a time! Yeah, those
0: those aren't even nineteen nineties prices. Like I know. that's, yeah, that's way too. That's crazy. <laughs> like those prices were wild.
1: It should have been their first uh, hint that something was wrong here.
0: <laughs> it should have been.
1: This next scene is so inexplicable that I <laughs> I don't even know.
0: Uh, go ahead. So you're talking about how Elaine then like pulls her pants down. Yeah, and like you know is like shaking her butt at Corey or something. <laughs> And then he says a moon for the misbegotten, which is a play, not the moon reference I would have expected him to make. Yeah. Um, Which I assume I actually think now knowing, you know, the actor who plays Corey, that he's active in stage and stuff like that. Knowing that, I wonder if this wasn't like ad-libbed by him. It could have been. Yeah, there's nothing to prove it because we definitely don't have a lot of like production notes on this movie. But Elaine is just like, oh, I just wanted you to lighten up or whatever. Um, but then, of course, right then is when a lady comes from, out back, uh, from a side room. And this is Harriet, who I mentioned in the, in the opening. And she says, oh, the bathrooms are out back. I guess she thinks Elaine was trying to use the bathroom or just trying to embarrass her. Well, Elaine is embarrassed, but it takes almost no time for Corey to move on because he's on a mission. So they ask you if they can get a drink. The lady's like, we have beer, Coke, water, and goat's milk. You know, pretty normal. Where where can you go that you don't have beer, Coke, water, and goat's milk? They order Cokes, and the lady gets them. And uh, then the lady regales them with a story about uh, someone named Mrs. Wilson who was in last week. And she thought they might be Mrs. Wilson. And then she says that, asks if they're uh, little Linda's friends from school. Because little Linda went away to school. But she thinks Linda, little Linda never went away to school, but she was sent away for causing trouble. A lot of reference to a little Linda that'll never pay off. Little Linda never
1: comes Yeah, there's up. never like a second little Linda. We excursion. we don't know
0: who Yeah, little Linda is just yeah. for this exchange where Corey's like, no, we don't know little Linda, bro. So then, you know, Corey asks about the Carter house, seeing if Harriet will open up in a way Harcourt would not. Well, right as he does, Harcourt opens the door and gives a menacing stare. And, and then, uh, yeah, yeah. He opens the door with some force, uh, which is very funny what we know about him later in the movie but right uh but yeah so uh harriet is like nope never heard of it well there's not a lot of time to think about that because another vehicle arrives uh this one's containing uh our resident meathead played by our sometimes softcore porn star uh and then this is uh dell who uh literally when he walks in just starts kissing elaine without her permission and she like pushes him away after like a a couple seconds and then Corey just like
1: like sheepishly though.
0: Yeah, like like oh this is how he is. And then C- Corey just high fives him to greet him. It's like, "Oh, so this is just Dell? You guys just let him do this? Just start making out with your girlfriends." I guess 90s were wild. Yes. Well, it seems like a lot of these things were Yeah, a lot of these times were wild. But uh but Dell is accompanied by his girlfriend Terry, uh who they're running late, which barely late. They literally got there like what, 3 minutes four minutes afterwards. And like for the pre cell phone era, that's wildly close to one another. Yeah. Because most of these people are showing up just based on a phone call that he gave them before this, like this is nineties, man. They didn't know anyone was, but yeah, I guess he said that they were late because Terry wanted to go to the mall on the way. Uh, And then of course, Dell just starts making out with Terry awkwardly in front of them. And then, you know, then Dell's like, that's why I keep her around. And that's a running gag that will happen a few more times throughout the movie is where he says, that's why I keep her. Uh. Yeah. He gets a lot of mileage out of that joke. He does. Yeah. That's his like, that's his signature bit. Then the uh, next couple come in that we're in the same vehicle. Uh, the first is Bonnie uh, who greets Elaine with like exaggerated accents, you know, just being playful. Uh, Jack comments on this, that these are the greeting habits of whatever. Uh, and then he goes and then greets Cody and, or Corey rather. Seems like they're really close friends and they they hug one another and Dell is like uncomfortable with this. Uh yeah, he, it was a wanted, weird hug. Yeah, he well, he yeah, but he's also like there's nothing wrong with men showing other men affection. Oh, this he's also allowed. a
1: blatant homophobe.
0: He very much is because he what calls them homos. And I then a couple like, other stuff, yeah. Well, I think later on he uses the F slur to refer to someone else, but this yep. time he just calls them homos, and then he's like, and why are we all here while I'm at it, you know? Like impatient, angry, you know, a lot of insecurity coming out of Dell almost instantly, which mm-hmm. we will see more of uh, later. Uh, so yeah, we get a cut to uh, Dell. Uh, he's the only one drinking a beer. <laughs> Everyone else refuses, uh, and he he says what uh, What is this? Just say no week." And yeah. uh, Ter- <laughs> Terry's like, "Not for me." And then he this, we have a second instance. So that's why I keep her around. And they make out awkwardly again. It's like, man, is he just always going to make out with his girlfriend just like awkwardly while everyone else is, you know, just going about their day? Uh, but that's when Elaine makes like a small wiener joke and Bonnie laughs about it. And Dell gets mad. It's like, what's going on? And then she's like, oh, it's, it's nothing really. It's hardly anything. Something like that. Or it's like no big deal or something like that. Like just making more small wiener jokes. And it's like, poor Dell, man. He can't catch a break. Other than that he makes out with everyone's girlfriends and his own. Now that this group is here, uh, Corey explains that his father had literally just died. Uh, he had slit his own wrist literally the day after he saw them, saw him for the first time. So, you know, he, and Elaine's like, you didn't even tell me this or whatever. It's like, yeah, we already established he hasn't told you anything. And then he explains that the family, his father's family had all disappeared four days after he was born. Um, he wasn't at the house when they all died. He was in an incubator because he was born early. And his father disappeared after going to investigate the household shortly after Corey was born. So there's a tendency of people in this family to go back to investigate, uh, (laughs) the home where their family died. What is it? Then Harcourt comes back in and he's being all creepy. He's like, take your friends and go home. Uh, get out of here. Get out of my town. Even though it's not really tight. He didn't say that. But then Dell is trying to be tough and like, kind of like, getting harcourt's face and what is it because harcourt says that uh uh the land doesn't belong to the living it belongs to the dead Mm -hmm. and then dell's trying to be tough at him and then harcourt just pulls a gun on him
1: yeah like instantly instantly.
0: (laughs) it's like jeez dude it's like this huge like hand cannon he just takes out from the behind the bar uh so you know dell backs down instantly seeing that he's outmatched and most of the squad head out of the cafe uh, but Corey stays behind and is, like, asking Harcourt, you know, like, why do you have this thing against us going to the farm? And then that's when Harcourt says that, well, I was there in 29, which, again, is the first time we found out this is 1929, which is, what? Like, that's, hold on, dude, how does that math work? 60 <laughs> years ago? What? Uh, that's good. Yeah, it's 60 years ago. So you're telling me that, like, this dude was there 60 years ago? Well, he could have been, like, s- eight
1: He could be 80.
0: Well, it's the first time also that we have we you know something kind of sus. So he right. describes that it was a a hot, dry, windy day, perhaps a demon windy day, uh, mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Uh, the the Carter family didn't show up to church, and he's like they never didn't go to church. So he went to investigate, and he just saw that there was blood everywhere, and he could hear the demons calling out to him. But then that's when like like I guess Harcourt like has never told anyone this, and now this is the first time telling anyone. He told Corey, and it kind of like. Deflates him a bit. He's no longer as serious as he was about trying to keep them away. um He reveals that the gun wasn't even loaded, and he asks, "He's like hey, Corey, I just don't want you to go." And Corey says, "I have to," and then Harcourt's like, "I know." It's like, "Well, then, what's the point of all this?" Why you? He's like, I love you, Corey. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I know you gotta go, <laughs> and then uh he tells, and then he's like, hey, "Yeah, We're just follow so the fast. road." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Just follow the road till the end." It's like, "Okay, so you're gonna like." Let him go and also give him directions. So sweet, good work. Um, you know, as so Corey comes out and reassures everyone that it's cool. Harcourt's like not as not as angry now as he was. He's not got a gun. And then this is when a convertible starts to approach from the hill. Uh,
1: Probably best scene in the movie.
0: Yeah, with uh, with a version of uh, uh, Ride of the Valkyries. Is it Ride of the Valkyries? Yes. The, yeah. Um, Ride of the Valkyries is playing. Uh, Stacy's on like some kind of like loudspeaker. Giving an intro to uh, about Chuck, the, and who's in a full magician's outfit, complete with cape. You know, Dell is not happy about this and uh, tells Terry that he didn't realize her former boy would be there. So it turns out that Terry and Chuck have a bit of a history, you know, other than Dell, though, everyone else is very amused uh, by Chuck and Stacy's arrival. Um, once they get close enough, Chuck is like a princess should always have flowers. And like magically produces some flowers and hands them to Terry. Uh Dell is displeased and throws a beer can at Chuck. Oh, in this scene. Uh so he throws off his cape, uh, jump kicks the can into the air many times. Like just into the air, what four times maybe? Is it three or four? I don't know how many times he kicks his yeah, can. Yeah, I lost into the count. Air. Yeah, and then in, until the finally at the end he roundhouse kicks it and they repeat the roundhouse kick shot like three times (laughs) roundhouse kicks uh, the can back into Dell's face. So Dell's upset and tries to fight Chuck over this. And Chuck is interested in this fight. Like Chuck is down for, for the fight, but then his bro uh, uh, Stacy uh, chimes in Stacy throws a smoke bomb uh, and and then suddenly Stacy's between them and says they should watch out for the rabbit. And then, (laughs) The camera pans down and now there's a rabbit on the ground. It's like, what is this movie? What did this movie just become?
1: Yeah, the, probably one of the best intros for a character I think I've ever seen. Um, and this is, the, this is the TikTok meme video.
0: Yes, it's the, yeah. the, the Flight of the Valkyries into Beer Can Kick into a Sudden Rabbit. Like, uh, so this just, is my
1: first but... criticism of the film. Is at this exact moment because they dubbed his audio, like when he said the flower thing.
0: Oh, did they? I didn't even notice. Yeah. That.
1: Oh, it made me so mad. And then from then on out, it just broke the it broke the immersion for me. Like we'll the get immersion. Into it later. Yeah. That's the
0: immersion.
1: I'm still a little sick here, pal. So I'm trying. The um,
0: Im- how are you even once immersed by this movie? We already had like two like inexplicit. Inexplicable flashback right, and on. also inexplicable dream flashback. All
1: right. You had the naked grandma flashback. You had the horny diner scene. You had all the cheap food. You had the gun. You had an awesome intro with a magician, a karate magician, a rabbit, and then some weird Shakespearean line read by <laughs> Stacy. This was probably the coolest scene that could have taken place in a movie at this point. So I don't want to hear it. That's Anyways. not
0: what immersion is. Anyways, yes. So, uh, yeah, but I was wrapped uh, up in
1: why they're there. Okay. What, okay. What happened okay. to his grandparents?
0: <laughs> yeah, the mystery. Uh, so is yeah, Dell's
1: such a shitbag?
0: Well, it seems like his dad was deeply traumatized by the demons, but that he never um, learned about. <laughs> that well, he we don't know because he went back to investigate, and hey, then guess that's what? when he we abandoned ne-
1: his son. We never will know.
0: That's true. The movie doesn't cover it. There's not enough time. We're too busy doing a long sequence of a dude. Kicking a beer can into the air several times. But yeah, so despite that incident, Dell still wants to fight, and Chuck is also still interested in it, despite that they don't know why they're even there yet. They haven't even been told why they're there. Um, and then uh they decide to break it up, you know, for for Corey's sake. And but then like Dell does follow Chuck, and you know. Says he'll drop him, and that's when he calls him like the F slur. Yeah, like come on, Dell. Like it honestly seems like he might have better kung fu skills than you. But I think that Chuck has probably the best (laughs) the best response to you know being called that word and then being like threatened. He takes out a dove throws it into the air it says shazam <laughs> and their car pulls away and the dove shits on Dell. it's like oh my god this guy is a wizard like how did he do this so good it was awesome and like it's like in that point Dell's not even mad he's just like ah like i've invested like he just is so, so deflated by that so, incident
1: oh i gotta go buy some doves
0: <laughs> so there you go but then uh Yeah, Harcourt is uh, no longer creepy or threatening. He just now has become the old, you're all doomed guy. Gives one of those last pleas to Corey, tell him that he's making a bad mistake. Uh, And, um, you know, Corey's like, it's our mistake to make, or whatever. And then as they drive away, uh, Harcourt says, damn fools. Is that the last we see of Harcourt? We'll find out. Um, Yeah, maybe. And then now's another, like, really long scene of the cars traveling. Uh, The only thing that happens is early on, uh Chuck has changed in the car as they're driving cuz they they waited for the other cars to pass him and they became the end of the uh the procession there and he and then he throws all of his magic wizard clothes out onto the road like why like that was like a nice magician's outfit it's like a jacket and like a dress shirt well he's done with it it's almost like he knows that he might not survive this You know, as the long scene of all of them driving carries on, we do get like a random shot of an egg in a nest, which cracks open and there's a bunch of mealworms. It's like, wait, these aren't even the same kind of worms that were on the cow skull earlier. These demons are all over the place with their worms. And then we finally do learn, like as they're driving, Corey tells, you know, tells Elaine that he is looking for answers about who he is. Uh, once they approach the ruins of the farmhouse because as we said before it exploded the cars all pull off the road in front of this a skeleton on a cross it's this that was before a burning body is now a perfectly preserved and bleached skeleton still somehow held together and on a cross that's also inexplicably not burned it's like the props department really broke the budget on that one
1: sounds about right
0: (laughs) so yes Um, so yeah, Corey's leading the group towards the farmhouse. It's now, uh, basically a ruin. Like it is like, it's basically just like walls set up in a field. It looks like kind of Bonnie, uh, is taking a second to look towards like what is like a nearby, it looks like a shed, but I guess I'll later describe it as a barn, which is like, it looks like it's fallen in and also in ill repair since 60 years ago, but Bonnie trips and then comes face to face with another skeleton this one is buried so that only the skull is protruding from the ground. Uh, Corey wastes no time in touching the skull for some reason, uh, but then he gets hit with like animations of electricity, which reveal to him a vision of the young man from the beginning who we saw as a dead body uh, dying uh, or being. Uh, what is it? He doesn't die yet. We just see him demon running. No, we, I think we see him like just running. From the wood. Well, the
1: blood. Then he like stops. Really. Oh, and then he
0: stops and he gets blood out of his yeah. mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we yeah. see how he died. And then Corey knows from the magic powers that it was his dad's older brother. <clears throat> which some of his friends question, he's like, I just know. It's like, well.
1: Yeah, he too bad he didn't touch the first one, so we
0: could figure out who that was. I know. The movie never tells us who that first skeleton on the cross is. I'm guessing it had to have been a demon, right? Because it was put up on a cross. I don't know. We don't know what's going on with that Who one. Who knows? <laughs> no one. Well, maybe the director. No one. Knew. I mean, he never told us. So yeah. So uh, next up, they walk to the door, and this is kind of an interesting exercise in like perspective. It was cool. Uh, yeah, because we can tell that it is an empty ruin from the like the sides and everything. But when they open the door, it looks like there's an entire cabin in there. This is like a TARDIS thing. Like you open the door, and it's like bigger on the inside because it's not ruin on the inside, mm-hmm. but like on the outside, it is ruins. Um, so, uh, what is it? Uh, Corey like walks around from that side and they can't see him, even though the door is open, like he can see them, but they can't see him because they still see the inside of the cabin. Just some magic nonsense that should be telling them to, you know, GTFO, uh, but they don't GTFO. He GTF He goes in. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Corey, uh, despite Bonnie and Elaine urging him not to, he goes into the farmhouse because he's the king of terrible decisions. The place basically looks the same way it was when we last saw it. Pictures of Jesus everywhere. The turkey is still on the table and it's not rotted despite 60 years later. Uh, the only difference is now there's a burned up and decapitated skeleton uh, of Regina, which we can tell from the necklace, which thank you for calling that out earlier because uh, so Corey walks up and grabs the necklace and reads it and he's like, Regina? Oh, no, this is my grandma. (laughs) Elaine uh, decides to enter the building and also and then comes in, uh, followed by the others. uh, So they didn't hold out long and not walking into this obviously scary and supernatural place. Um, And of course, there's a bunch of writing on one of the walls. And what do you do if you see a bunch of demonic writing on a wall in Latin? You read it. That's how this works. So Bonnie, despite being, like, initially frightened about everything, decides she has to read this Latin, which results in flames bursting from the fireplace and wind and tremors. Everything's shaking and things are flying around. Uh, Jars are exploding. Glasses are exploding. Tons of stuff. A knife starts to move. And at that point, like, Corey's in the doorway and the knife, like, flies out and sticks in the wall next to him. Ooh, such frightening items. Um so everyone's panicking. Wait, you're, um,
1: you're just gonna let that go?
0: The knife, the face? Oh, the face he makes when the knife hits. Yeah, it's acting, dude. What are you talking about? Is it? It's uh, it's 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 a uh, very emphatic acting. Okay. Right. He, yeah, he makes like the craziest face. It's like, hey, I want you to be afraid. No, no, bigger. No, 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 bigger. Like
1: <laughs> now, weirder.
0: Now, yeah, now, now, now you're also surprised. Yeah. I would love to hear the direction on that scene.
1: And slightly brooding.
0: Yeah, sorry. I guess I'll in this purely auditory medium, I will explain. I took my joke. Crazy face he makes. That was an, that was a
1: joke I was going for.
0: Oh, uh, was it? Yeah. <laughs> well, sorry. Touche. You should write these down beforehand and make sure I don't step on your punchlines, buddy. Nah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone's panicking because of the obvious supernatural activity that just occurred. Uh, Jack. Uh, explains the Latin meant, uh, Satan will walk. So that was what the Latin meant. Chuck and Stacy uh, suddenly have guns and say, no, one's going to get past them. And it's actually kind of funny. Cause Stacy starts out with the shotgun and then Chuck has a pistol. Uh, cause Stacy's kind of a smaller dude. So you'd think he'd have the pistol, but no, 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 no. He wants them shoddy. You know, Dell finally, you know, making some sense, uh, says they all need to get out of here. Uh, The skeleton on the cross falls, and that's basically what prompts everyone to run for their cars. It's like, oh, man, that skeleton's been up there since we got here. Um, But of course, it's a horror film, so no one's cars can start. So they think everyone's everyone's uh, our cars are dead. Uh, Chuck is the first to suggest that this place is possessed. Uh, Jack is trying to be a uh, voice of reason. He insists that it's a collective hallucination. Uh, because, you know, Stacy's like, but we all saw it. And Jack's like, "Mm, there's examples of this. Uh, he's basically being a total nerd. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie is, is on the other hand, very freaked out. And she, uh, says to Jack that he has to promise that if she dies, uh, he won't let her be buried here. And then he like, what promises her, uh, that nothing's going to happen to her. (laughs) Like, well, and then she calls the
1: barn out too, which was huge.
0: Oh, she called it out earlier. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. But um, yeah. She talks again about like how she could sense something with the barn was going on, and then yeah, uh, but then Jack promises nothing's going to happen to her. Spoiler alert: something's going to happen to her. Uh, <laughs> the gang opts to head out on foot, carrying just the necessities. So a bunch of people grab like some bags, and it looks like some like you know uh, sleeping rolls and stuff like that, like sleeping bags. But then of course, uh, Corey just carries nothing. Come on, man. Like you have two hands, two perfectly good hands. But suddenly there's a fast-forming fog bank that shows up and engulfs them and it teleports them to another forest. Then it comes again and it teleports them to a hilltop. So at this point, they know the fog is going to teleport them. And then the last time they're like, Where's it going to take us now? It's like, well, it's probably demon fog, so it's probably going to take you back to that house where it wants you to be. Uh, and it does. They're back at the house. It's like, oh no. But now there's like electricity forming, and it's like Raiden's teleport. And that, but except it's three little girls who suddenly appear uh, old timey clothing. So, you know, it's like, Oh, something's going on. These are ghosts or demons or something. Uh, Dell of course is uh trying to approach one of the girls. He's actually being kind of nice. It's like a side of Dell. We don't get enough of where he's like, you know, gets down to the little girl's level to talk to her, but she's super strong and throws him through the air. Uh, Bonnie makes a rookie move of screaming and trying to run away. Uh, when one of the little girls teleports to her, Uh, and says you're mine in one of those distorted demon voice Uh, and then turns her into a doll. I did not have that on my bingo card. Nope. Uh, Yeah. So uh, Jack walks up to the doll and picks it up and the doll says you lied. (laughs) So, So yeah, he drops her and then she explodes because apparently whenever demons are involved, stuff can just explode randomly. A lot
1: of explosions.
0: A lot of them. Yes. The, the budget, had enough money for all of the explosions. Uh yeah, so Corey wants to go back into the house uh because what is it? Um uh he thinks that whatever attacked in the house is actually trying to warn them away. Uh Dell disagrees, but it seems like Corey might be right. But it doesn't matter because we have to have a weird relationship argument uh where Chuck is now arguing with Terry about their relationship that they used to have. Um and now timing. is probably the best time. Yeah, now's the best time for it. And it's like, I don't I can't remember what it was. It was something like um where Chuck has is too silly and has too much fun with life, and she's like, She needs some I need someone serious, and dell's serious about me or whatever. And uh and, and Chuck uh dell's just standing there just watching them have this conversation because like Chuck's literally saying it's like I still love you, Terry. And then like, you know, obviously. Dell's gotta do it he just walks up and just decks chuck in the face and then chuck is like well we can fight but we don't have anything to fight about now and dell's like oh, okay then we can go inside it's Like, okay well that was easily resolved and then the cam but that at that camera angle we see everyone else was standing there watching that <laughs> which means that chuck decided to have this like try to win his ex-girlfriend back not only in front of her current boyfriend but in front of everyone And the entire group decides, like, oh, let's move on. We have uh, demon stuff to deal with. Yeah, so back in the house, you know, Corey scans over everything and decides that he thinks everything's going to be okay now uh, because nothing is currently attacking them. It's like he's apparently never seen a horror movie. You know, you have to have a cool down in order to get back up to them scares. So Corey goes into a back room, which I think is supposed to be the bedroom of his ghost grandma. Oh no, the back room there is like a hallway. And then he's beckoned by the ghost of his grandma to go into the next room, which I think is the bedroom of ghost grandma. Correct. Um, Yes. Yeah. The geography of that house is hard to get a lay of, but that is how it is. Uh, So, you know, Corey is investigating stuff in this room and a drawer suddenly flies open and pages of something fly out. It's like, oh, maybe I should check out that one. It's like the equivalent of like in Resident Evil when you walk into a room and something just shimmers in the corner. It's like, oh, that's probably important. I should walk over there. He's basically being guided. What he finds is the diary uh, that, you know, Regina had mentioned at the beginning of the movie. Uh, You know, Corey starts to read it. But then he's surprised by his girlfriend, Elaine, looking for him to bring him food. He shows her the diary and Corey's reading it to Elaine. And it's describing some of the spells uh, that were being used to keep out the demons. And that there were two of seven daggers there. Allegedly the seven daggers are, or the the daggers are holy and if they had all seven they could go full doom guy and kill the son of satan but since they only have two of the daggers they guess they can't kill the son of satan but presumably still effective on demons we'll find out
1: so i thought this was interesting so like if you watch the scene so before his girlfriend gets in the room you hear a knock on the drawer before it opens and I wondered like watching this and I went back and rewound it and like, tried to like, just listen. It sounds like the effect didn't go off the first time because there was absolutely no reaction from Corey, like from the actor that played Corey when that first knock went off. And then when the drawer opened, he like flipped out and panned over with the, with the flashlight. Um,
0: So you think it was a goof? I
1: think, I think that the first knock was the, the device trying to open the drawer and it didn't go. And then the second, the second one, as they pressed it, and it finally kicked it open.
0: You got to enter that man, enter that into the goofs.
1: Yeah, I don't know for sure though. I couldn't, I couldn't find anything about that. I would be curious to, to figure that out. But um, yeah, because if you look at that scene, like the Corey's actor, like doesn't even like it doesn't even phase him. He doesn't even flinch. Or like you think if you hear a knock in a room, you'd flinch like that. Because if the the way he reacts to the drawer opening, and then like. If you don't have the subtitles on, you probably missed it because like it was a very faint knock, but the subtitles do bring it up. It says knock. So I don't know. I thought it was interesting.
0: It is. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe his ghost grandma has just been out of action so long. She needed like to manifest more ghost power. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> this is a perfectly reasonable explanation. Perfect. Um. Yeah. So uh, they're going back into the main room where the group is burning uh, copies of good housekeeping the magazine, <laughs> which yeah. seems like a modern magazine to be around in 1929 in this farmhouse. But unless one of the well, one of the ladies had it or one of the guys, I guess, unless one of them had it and they're like, now we're going to start burning your belongings. But yeah, now uh, basically Corey's is going to explain to everyone the backstory that he just learned from the diary uh, that his family, among with other followers, uh, of a preacher, other followers settled here. There were followers of a, a preacher named Anders who started preaching Satan worship. Basically what the God in heaven is not worth worshiping is like, there's a God right here, like some weird nonsense uh, and things ramped up when he killed three little girls, just like the three little girls that attacked them. So um, they found the corpses of the three little girls at like some satanic altar So Anders and all of his followers were burned alive after they had a fight. So basically gave him, I guess, more demon power uh, because he in 1929, uh, things finally came to a head where like basically everyone who gave birth basically at the same time were giving birth to like inhuman creatures. Uh, The only exception on that day was uh, Corey's dad, which at the time they did like why that happened is like, I don't know. Was well, so the reason is because Corey's Cory's grandma's a witch and was using her powers. But mm-hmm. right now he's like, I don't know. And then everyone in the area was killed. Um, and I put in my notes, except Harcourt, right? Wink. So that's Aww. the first that's the first hint we have that Harcourt might not have been telling the truth about stuff because uh he said that after church, you know, he found that the family was like murdered. It's like, but wait a second, if everyone in the area was killed and demonized then what when what
1: well since you then, did
0: it what
1: well since you did it like the, the church comment too is like oh they never miss church and it was kind of weird it's like the preacher was like was like, evil the, yeah, yeah. But he led the congregation and then he was like yeah they used to always come to church and they then they missed church and he went to check on them so
0: yeah there's a lot of holes in a hardcourt story the more we learn and we'll find out why but not yet Then a cut to the fire being down, and that's because time has passed. And it seems as though um, uh, Stacy and Chuck have the first watch. And they're, of course, being super tough guys and talking about how they hope some supernatural demons roll up so they can kick their asses. Uh, And then they started talking about going on a vacation somewhere. And it's a really long conversation that basically doesn't mean anything. I just thought it was funny that Chuck said he wanted to go to Tahiti. Because I was thinking about uh, Dutch from Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a plan. I've got a plan. Go Arthur. to Tahiti, Arthur. We're gonna go to Tahiti, and then they just go on and on about where they should go. And then it's like, when well, they said something about Chicago, and it's like, no, we can't go to Chicago because reasons. And they get—I can't remember where they ended up settling on where they should go on vacation. Uh, that there won't be like voodoo, and also not a city. I don't know. It doesn't matter because then they, uh, a topless woman is calling out to Chuck and Stacy like by name, and this could have been like a really dumb scene where they're like, uh, uh, "There's boobs, we better go outside," but instead, like they instantly like turn to each other and say at once, "A uh, demon!" Yeah, so, like they <laughs> instantly like, no, yeah, there's no way that that's a topless lady summoning us out there. They try to wake the others, but no one will wake up presumably due to supernatural influence uh so they decide that they're gonna go out and fight the demons instead or fight the demon woman instead i think they say something like i guess it wants us and then stacy cocks his shotgun and it's like oh is that it like that's all we're gonna do is just say i guess it wants us and then cock your shotgun you're not you're not the doom slayer this isn't i guess we'll leave
1: this heavily fortified area
0: yeah i guess we will leave this area where we're safe to go fight this lady demon so, yeah, when they walk out there, they wander out far too far away from the house, uh, which will become an issue uh, when they see the silhouette of the of the topless demon lady again. Because you can tell because she had like a weird like cloak uh, on her. Like a the, gown, like,
1: yeah. Yeah, like, like a, a veil. gown,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when they see her, they see the silhouette. But as it approaches from this backlit area, it's all shriveled up and desiccated. And she yells, surprise! so here they're not that surprised they knew you were a demon like they remarked it instantly um <laughs> but the real surprise is that uh after shooting uh her with the shotgun they suddenly find themselves beset on all sides by demons so yeah basically this is a long sequence of uh those two back to back just shooting demons it's some pretty cool effects actually because when they get hit uh like the shotgun blows them apart and like yellow gunk flies everywhere if like it's the pistol it's like bullet holes and yellow gunk Um, and actually seems like it's decently effective until it, the plot decides that it can't be anymore. And uh, Stacy's throat is slashed and he like turns around and it's like, like turns to Chuck and his final word is presto and he dies. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, you just got to keep your magician shtick going. Don't you Dude, (laughs) like you gotta be his hype man to the very end. Uh, Chuck is upset. And starts gunning down several demons until he finally runs out of ammo, and then he, and then he just roundhouse kicks the head off of some demon lady.
1: Roadhouse.
0: Yeah, he just like roundhouse kicks her head off, and there's like like yellow goop shooting out of it. It's like oh man, it's like if he's this effective at martial arts, he could just like roundhouse kick the heads off of every demon. Yeah, it's like you Uh,
1: remember, like, oh, shit, I can kick these things.
0: It's like, oh, yeah, I'm a highly trained martial artist. This is not a problem for me. Uh, And he does, actually. He fights off a bunch of them with hand-to-hand combat. Uh, But then once he gets to the door, uh, he's, like, celebrating and yelling at the demons. He's like, I made it. You demons are garbage. But then, of course, the you know demonoid form of the earlier topless demon lady is behind him and says surprise again. This time he is surprised and he yells, but he's attacked and his yell wakes the others and they come outside to see that Chuck, Chuck and uh, Stacy are dead. And Terry has an absolute meltdown over this. Yeah. It's like, hey, I thought you said, you know, you guys are broke up. You didn't like him anymore, but it seems like she super does. Um,
1: So like, I felt like I'm kind of bummed because like the scene when they were trying to find stuff to burn. He was playing with his magic, uh, like the handkerchief that turns colors, and I was kind of hoping during the fight scene they were gonna do more magic stuff, like just as a like a as a gag. But no luck.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> I really hope they do a lot more with him and him and Stacy, and see they really build up their dynamic and stuff like that. Um, but instead, they're kind of just like dispatch relatively fast. Like they do put up a decent fight, but it's also stupid of them to go out there to begin with. And one thing I want to remark on too is I talked a little bit about the blood special effects from the demons. But like all of these demons have like a unique like look, like a de- like a specific outfit and specific like um they and they all have like full like um demon uh prosthetics on. And they actually mm. look pretty good. Like there's some yeah. that stand out more than others. Like I talked about the farmer one before, and he's just yeah, like, like, like the the a WWF wrestler. wrestler. Yeah, he's like a huge dude with like a giant. Like, yeah, it's like an Undertaker hat on and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah, he's super cool looking. But, like, there's a lot of them that look really distinctive. And I, I didn't, I wouldn't, like, let the first scene of them coming out en masse to go because they put their time in on those, like, those prosthetics. Like, every single one of them has it, which will become even more impressive later when like there's even a bigger demon horde that rolls in. Yeah, and um, I think
1: they missed out, too, because, like, I was thinking, like, these could have been, like, the Terenzi brothers. Like, there could have been, like, an off-scene death. Or like, you didn't know if they died.
0: And then they came back later. Yeah, that would have been yeah, so cool. Like, yeah, yeah, that would or have like been like, dating awesome.
1: one of the demons or something. I don't know.
0: Yeah, like, they ended up winning over that demon. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be very funny. <laughs> but, no, yeah, it just seemed like they were really being built up for a little bit more than we got out of them. And yep. it, it just feels like... And I, I think part of it probably was, like, I couldn't find the budget numbers for this, but I just wonder if, like, there was budget constraints on, like, we spent all this time getting all these prosthetics up we can't have a longer fight scene of him roundhouse kicking them because we just can't afford it, you know? Cause <laughs> so they that just end up offing him. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure there's reasons for it. It's just kind of disappointing because easily my favorite two characters in the movie just got killed. Yep. But yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, Dell is, uh, back to, you know, Terry having her freak out. Dell is comforting Terry and he assures her, uh, that he'll get her out of this, uh, parentheses. He will not do that. <laughs> um you know Corey and elaine go to the back room again to investigate some more elaine is asking Corey why he didn't share about the spells or the daggers with the rest of the group and Corey like has kind of a dumb excuse for that it's like uh well Dell and jack are already on edge and uh you know he doesn't want to push them like this might put them over the edge and it didn't help my grandma anyway it's like, yeah, but two of your friends just went outside to fight demons because they didn't know that there was a magic spell keeping them safe in this house. Oh, well, whatever. Corey is basically the master of making dumb decisions, as we will find out more from as this goes on. And then we have an incident where Dell is like laying down, kind of like spooning Terry, and he's like starting to like cop a feel <laughs> when suddenly it's actually Chuck who turns around and half of his face is like, yeah,
1: I love this scene.
0: It's like super funny. And then like, and then like Dell just wakes up screaming and it's like the morning and everyone else is already awake. It's like, Hey, calm. And like Terry's like, Hey, calm down. Everything's fine. It's like, man, it was, he had a real freak out over that, which I guess I get it. But then the gang hear the sound of another car coming and they're like, Oh, it's Willie and Rena. I'm like who are Willie and Rena? And why do we need these two to replace the two guys you just killed? I would prefer it was them arriving now. Imagine if it was now that they were rolling in playing Ride of the Valkyries. I know. And then we could have just had them live to the end instead. Uh, but no, it's Willie and Rena. Everyone runs out to stop them from shutting off their car, knowing that they will be unable to start their car. But of course, Willie shuts off the car to hear them. He's like, What? It's like, Don't shut off your car, is what we were trying to say, which is kind of a funny line de- delivery from Corey. Whenever like Willie shuts off the car, he's like, "What are you trying to say?" And then, and then Corey's just like, "Don't shut off the car." It's like that was a good line delivery <laughs> with that. You can just tell how exacerbated he is by this entire situation. But then you know, obviously, the car won't start again, and suddenly there's like demon barking from the forest. So everyone, including the two newcomers, uh, decide to head inside. Dell, I guess, still shook up from his dream where he was copying a feel on his romantic nemesis now turned uh dead guy he says that hey we're not gonna be spending another night in this place i'm going to leave and uh you know uh what is it terry says that she's gonna go with him and he's like hey you sure about that and she says yeah wherever you go i go and then he says that's why i keep her with me (laughs) one last time for his catchphrase." yeah um so classic yeah, Corey is like, you know, uh, respect. He takes like the pistol out of his like belt and like hands it to Dell for his journey because it's dangerous to go alone. So take this. Yeah, Dell and Terry are walking away. And <laughs> this is probably one of the funniest lines is like Jack's like, I don't think they're going to make it. And Corey's like, yeah, I don't think so either. <laughs> and then they all go back inside. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what was what was all that? If, like, it looked like you were like respect. Like, hey, yeah, respect. You go out there. Have his gun, you're gonna make it. It's like, yeah, I think they're gonna die. (laughs) So, there you go. Um, the remainder of the squad work to board up the remaining windows and whatnot. Corey now goes to the front room because everyone's in like in the back rooms, uh, working to board up the windows. And he's like asking his grandma if she's there and asking if she knows what the demons are afraid of. And I think he gets like a sign that she's there from the fire, right? Or is that later that that happens? I can't remember. Which time? There's a bunch of times where like the fire indicates either demons or ghost grandma. Yeah, it's um, kind of hard to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so everyone else comes into the room, uh, and uh, Jack talks about uh, taking the fight to the demons, and that's when he brings up that Bonnie had felt a presence in that barn, that dilapidated shack from dilapidated sorry shack from earlier. Um, Corey agrees with him, but before we can get that scene, we have to go to and And Terry, who are out walking in the woods in the dark when uh, they see fog kick up, both of them knowing what fog means. Fog means you're going to get teleported to somewhere else, right? Well, when the fog clears, uh, Terry is turned around. So we know something scary is about to happen. Uh, And she turns around. She's demonized. And she stabs her like fingernails into Del's forehead, you know, basically killing him. But he says, like, he has, even though, like, her fingernails are in his skull, he says, so, I loved you. Yeah, and right. she's like, <laughs> I love you, too. It's like, all right, gross. <laughs> but there you go. dell has gone. Uh, and uh, Terry's demonized, which, again, we don't really, I thought you had to be killed or at least injured by the demons to turn into a demon. But I guess the fog, through the fog, all things are possible. Yeah, I think we're going to get into that later yeah that's yeah that's fair enough back at the house uh the survivors emerge but uh, corey leading them with a shotgun which um he cocks to show us that it exists even though that made no sense to do it at that moment he also has a flashlight on it now so it's like a doom 3 shotgun rena points to the barn door as the door like lifts itself up and then closes like while it's on its position there and i put in my notes i think this was done so that it could have like a similar doorway gate thing like the house does. Because as it was, it was like hollow in the inside, right. and like falling in. So yep. now the, the door is up. You can open the door and then go in like it's like the house. Which is cool. No, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So the gang go inside. And there's kind of a spooky scene of them walking through this place. And there were so many hooks in there. I was like, someone's getting hooked on one of those hooks. I was like, nah, they're not going to get hooked on one of those hooks. Um. <laughs> So they're like, I'm hooked on hooks.
1: One can imagine.
0: <laughs> uh, But then the gang find a human skeleton that's pinned up against the wall, but with a cow skull for a head. Corey says that it's an altar to the devil and no one checks his notes, but it seems weird. Then Rena says that there's something beautiful about it. And she keeps like moving closer to it. It's like, oh no, this is weird. It's like, she says like twice. It's like, oh, look how beautiful it is. You know? But that's when the cow skull opens and a tongue flies out and wraps around her neck and like pulls her into the cow skull's mouth and like crushes her head, which did not see that coming. So, like,
1: I thought they were going to do more with the prosthetics of the head crush, but yeah, they did a, a cool ton scene. of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think they probably wasted all their money on the tongue prosthetics.
1: I think so too.
0: That thing look like, yeah, it looked crazy. And but yeah, it just basically was just like her head in the cow jaws, and then you know, blood falling everywhere, and then dropping it's like her a sarlacc body. tongue. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, like how it, like flings out. Yeah, it's like yep. a tentacle. But yeah, so like as the others flee, they're confronted by demonized versions, voici- demon uh, demonized versions, voici- <laughs> demonized versions of <laughs> Chuck and Stacy.
1: So many voices of Chuck and Stacy. <laughs>
0: Look, like, I don't know where that came from. I was like trying to be, oh, I'm a 1930s gangster. I'm
1: trying to get coffee here. All right.
0: All right. But, anyways, uh, they toss Dell's hand uh, and then they say, uh, Dell looked good enough to eat, which is a callback to earlier when Dell said that Elaine looks good enough to eat and that's when he started kissing her. Yeah. So it's like, oh, it's a fun callback, except neither Chuck nor Stacy were there for that. So, like, maybe it's just because that's probably what Dell does all the time. And then Demon Chuck, using his martial arts powers, uh, punches Willie in the face and then taunts and then uh, hits Jack as well when uh, Jack tries to threaten him with a gun because he's like, oh, that won't work. This is the house of the damned. It's like, oh, that's true. That was a barn. But then Corey takes out one of the daggers. Which does, in fact, frighten the demons. They like back away, like, yo, man, we were just kidding around. Uh, But, you know, Corey, Elaine, and Jack take the opportunity to run out of the barn now that they've gotten the, you know, gotten the demons to back away, threatening them with the dagger. But they realize when they get back to the house, they forgot (laughs) Willie. He was still on the ground, having been punched out. Uh, Not punched out, but punched down. And they. You know, like, oh, Willie, we got to go get Willie when suddenly demon Rena uh, pops up. She's upside down from the roof uh, with Willie's very fake looking, severed head, which, of course, then Elaine is like, yo, Corey, you got a knife like stab stab her with it. So he stabs her in the neck with the holy dagger, for lack of a better word. And this is kind of a disturbing scene because she then like turns human again and then says, you killed me. And then disappears into like a blast of light. Yeah. It's like, oh, so they become human and realize they're going to die at the end? That's kind of disturbing. But then that's when Demon Chuck and Demon Stacy uh, emerge from the barn and uh, they threaten the survivors, but with such heavily distorted voices that I have no idea what they were saying.
1: And neither and did I, the closed captions. And
0: I'll tell you right now, the closed captions I had no idea. I think they just put nope. distorted voices in the bottom. They did. Oh my God. Such laziness. Um, I mean, the sound quality wasn't great throughout. But yeah, the demon, the distortion on the demon voices is devastating. Oh, and this is when like tons of demons are emerging from the barn. Tons. But they can't get close to the house because as they get close, there's like these like after image animations of like blue, like lightning or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's the, the it's meant to be the effect of the grandma's old spell. The demons are pushing against the spell. Uh, which is making like a really annoying noise, which is bothering the survivors. And then it seems like the demons have broken the spell. They've done it and they will now be able to enter. Jacks is like, oh, I'll go to the back room and check things out. And I put in my notes. So I'm like, I guess it's time for Jack to die then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. And then, you know, we get a, a little, this is a pretty cool shot. I think of all the different demons, but like I said, full prosthetics and everything, just demons emerging from like the woods like all over the place. And they're just starting to try to climb in the windows. um, And and that's where, uh, you know, Corey's shooting them with the shotgun. And it's like the impact is at least keeping them from climbing through the window, not killing them, of course, because only the daggers can do that. And it's not like, I don't know, Corey has daggers and could use them. No, he'll just use the shotgun instead.
1: Well, I have theories. I've got a couple of theories. We can get into it now if you want i mean me it's in? up to
0: you okay
1: so yeah th- something happens in this scene that's very interesting so when jack's in the back room and we'll get into it but he's attacked through the windows right but it's uh, like yeah it's like but okay the house was shielded like from the outside it's just it's ruins but the door is the only portal into the actual house right so i think with, to me, what signaled is when they picked the barn door up, they let all those demons out that were trapped from that explosion that broke the portal out of that barn. Does that make sense?
0: Um, yeah, I could see that. So you're Because mm, initially,
1: there was only... There were, I mean, there were, uh, there, were, there were a number of demons, but there weren't as many as that were attacking the house. And I feel like they all came from the barn, right?
0: Uh, the so, barn and some from the woods, too. Yeah,
1: so like, I feel like they, they let some out of the barn. But the thing about the daggers is they disappear. They're a one-time use. They explode.
0: Oh, yeah, I guess they do. I didn't realize. So,
1: that. my whole theory is that, that because, like, well, well, we'll get to that point, I guess, but I'll bring it up in a little bit. But continue.
0: But then, how do they know if all seven daggers can kill the son of Satan if, like, they all destroy themselves? I don't, I don't know. know. That's
1: So, that's why I thought, okay, I'll, we'll just get into it now. So, I thought it was strange that magically, after they use the last dagger, the final dude shows up, right? So I almost think that they let them go in there and find those daggers so they could use them and destroy them. So then he could come in and clean up and then finally finish everything.
0: Um, I guess it's possible, but it did seem like he wanted, he wanted uh, Corey. Like we'll find out later when the master demon shows up, but he wants Corey and it seems like him knowing Corey's relationship with Elaine, he wants to use her against Corey. But yeah, it
1: was just strange that he didn't show up until almost like a moment or two or three moments after the last dagger was used and destroyed.
0: Yeah, it's not long after that. Yeah.
1: So that's my theory.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. We'll have to wait stick, till the sequel stick comes out. It.
1: Oh, yeah. We'll probably have Since, to make it.
0: No, they said that it's in production. Oh, no. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for high on life fans. Yeah, they're trying to climb through the windows. Some are getting shotgunned down. There's a similar situation with Demon Chuck. Uh, once they're shot, they don't seem to try to climb in anymore. They like once they're shot with the shotgun, they kind of just like, OK, well, I'm not going to try to climb in. Someone else is to try in order to keep them coming in one at a time. Uh, Corey suggests that the reason they don't just storm in is because they're still scared of the house. Which, oh, uh, I don't know. I'm about to see your notes on that one, Corey. but Jack. Uh, Meanwhile, is being attacked by Demon Terry, Uh, but he what smashes her hand with a hammer. (laughs) like, and it seems to work. So he's safe for the moment because that was when Demon Terry like reached between the window slats. So they haven't (laughs) really tried to break in there yet. So Corey and Elaine are still fighting the demons uh, in the front room. Elaine almost gets taken out the window, but she just kind of fights them off. It didn't even seem like it's that much of a threat for her. Probably is hamming it up for the movie. Then back to Jack. Uh, his arm is pulled through the window and it looks like he's bit. And then after he's bit, the demons just leave. So that's kind of how we get the idea that if you're bit or injured by the demons, you become them right? or killed by them. in the case of like Chuck and Stacy, but then after that, Jack has a vision of Bonnie in the fog. She's like backlit. And she's like, what? Like asking for him to like help her to save her or whatever. And then he's just like yelling for her. But then she like, uh, fades back into the fog. Uh, and then you know, Jack looks at his hand and sees that it's starting to get like those like bubbling up, like it looks like a skin condition, like leprosy or something. And he realizes he's demonizing, uh, but he doesn't take any steps to warn his friends about this because Corey is running out of shotgun ammo. So he sends Elaine to go get the diary and to get Jack because I guess the diary is still in the bedroom where Jack is in the in the back room, at first there's no sign of Jack, so once uh once Elaine gets the diary out of the drawer, suddenly the door closes, and Jack was behind the door and reveals that he's fully demonized now um and then he went like starts feeling up Elaine, which was really awkward. He's like, "I got you get you guys are demons, but you don't have to be sexual predators <laughs> and he says, "Oh, the father will get much pleasure from you." which is why again I thought that like they kept her alive is cuz I think that I thought the father wanted her as a human but it doesn't matter cuz she has a dagger and stabs him in the eye with it and that this was a messed up series of transformations so he turns into his human self then he turns into his child self then he turns into a baby and then he turns into a dove and flies away <laughs> so yeah I didn't really pay attention to where the dagger was in that sequence but it definitely wasn't in the dove or baby. So the dagger had gone away. But yeah, so now with the book in hand, Elaine uh, starts to go towards the front, but Corey is fleeing from the demons into the hallway. So he like shuts the door behind him. So now they're basically locked in. They got demons to the left of them and demons to the right. So they're they're toast. Uh but as the demons break in.
1: They're they're stuck in the middle.
0: They are stuck in the Thank you for that. I appreciate I appreciate you coming in with that. Um, yeah, so before they can be killed though, the voice of a man commands the demons to come out for their reward. Uh a bunch of talk like come to me, children, yada yada, all that. Who could it be that's that's summoning these demons? What little Linda? <laughs> the little Linda. But no, who is it really though? It's Harcourt! It's Big Linda. It's big Linda, <laughs> it's Harcourt. All of that stuff about him trying to keep them from coming here was reverse psychology. He actually wanted them to come here. And I guess he's supposed to be, is he supposed to be, cause he's in like a preacher outfit. So I'm guessing he's supposed to be Anders. That's
1: what I got. The, the first time I watched this, I'm like, I'm like, is this asshole wearing the magician costume? I had to rewind it. He wasn't.
0: No. But, and then you see that he had the collar. <laughs> yeah. Like, how okay. cool
1: would it have been if he had the magician costume on? I would have been the
0: ultimate in revenge. Yeah. Well, that'd be, then that would be cool. If, and then that's what shakes demon Chuck out of it. It's like, wait a minute. No man <laughs> takes my uniform. Then that would be the final battle. That's going to be in our version when we remake this. Hey There'll guys, final if you want to support
1: us, uh, yeah, get go on to our our Kickstarter. Pa- go to our Patreon.
0: Kickstarter, yeah, get get on <laughs> our Patreon for this movie that we're gonna make. It's gonna be so good. <laughs> so what is it? Um, oh oh oh. Um, the he's telling all the demons that uh, they're gonna open the door for their beloved father. And then uh, because of that, all the demons have like gathered around him and like through some yellowish animation effects, they all basically disappear and all of their yellow animated lights go into Harcourt who then becomes what I dub in my notes, the super demon. Mm-hmm. Once he transforms into the super demon, Bonnie is there. And like this scene is kind of like not cool. Cause he just starts like eating Bonnie. Who's like, I guess they're preserving her in doll form until they could turn into the sacrifice for the super demon. And, you know, Elaine is, like, trying to get out there and save her. And uh and that's what I put in my notes. Like, Corey's holding her back. They literally have demon-killing knives that could save her. But I guess if you're saying that the knives disappear, then they do not have them. Um, But it turns they, out he was They wasn't... do,
1: though, because they, they've never used them again. And then they explode on the body,
0: right? No, yeah, I mean, if that's what you think is happening, yeah. Cause I didn't see the, I didn't see the knife explode on, on, a uh, uh, Jack, but I don't know. I'll have to check the, I'll have to check the, check the tape again. Instant replay. Looks i like, like, I'm watching this a fourth time, but yeah, so, so, uh, he wasn't actually eating Bonnie though. He was like sucking out her youth because she turns into an old lady and then she turns into just a drippy skeleton. <laughs> and it's like. It's hard to explain why these skeletons look so fake, because they're just clearly like fake bleached out skeletons. And it's just like someone just poured fake blood on it. It's so funny. It's like, oh, drippy skeleton. I guess that's what happens when you get old enough. But now Corey is like, you know, tells Elaine, you know, draw a circle and chalk on the ground. And uh, so you can be protected. And, you know, what is it? They trade. I love you's is like, in case we weren't clear that they're in a relationship. Um, And then they hear the super demon approaching them and it's a sound of hooves because now the super demon has like cloven hooves and he's sort of like a giant mutated sheep is like how I would describe him. Like he's bulbous and like kind of got some tufts of white fur. Uh, Would you say that's accurate or you think I'm way off on that?
1: No, I think it's perfect.
0: Yeah. he's like a mutated sheep monster. But uh, while he's on approach, Corey's reading some, or I think both of them are reading some incantation from the book. Uh, the super demon arrives. And at the end of the book reading, they throw something into the candle and then Corey gets transformed. Okay. And I'll be honest. I was super unclear what just happened there.
1: This is the exact moment. The end. It which this movie lost me.
0: Like <laughs> what with his. This went
1: from schlocky horror 80s movie to like shitty Star Trek in one decision. <laughs> he looked like, have you seen that Tim Allen space movie?
0: Yeah, uh, Galaxy Quest.
1: Yeah, Galaxy Quest. You know the one alien with like the ears or whatever? He kind of looked like that thing.
0: Yeah, he, he he actually looked a lot to me like any one of the number of aliens uh played by Jeffrey Combs throughout yeah. the various Star Trek episodes. Yes. yes. Yeah, he very much looked like a Star Trek alien. But uh, what was he like? I don't know what I he is. I don't know, man. Did they even say it? He said something like, "Oh, so you like your grandmother figured out the old magic." And he's like, "She did. She just didn't have the chance to use it, or something like that." They I'm never lost, man. They I, never I, explain. They what They never he explain
1: is. it. Like, yeah,
0: he's just like bald, form with like weird, like the ears are like glued to the side of his head, but they're like really long and pointy, like elf ears or something. I don't know what he even is. But what he isn't is able to do anything because Super Demon just blasts Super Quarry with some animated fireball powers that send him like flying into the wall and then like comes up and like shocks him into like paralysis with animation electricity powers. And then and then what puts his hand on like Super Demon or Super Cory's face and like burns his like fingerprints into him. Yeah. It's like, man, like you're just getting like rocked right now he's about to get a flawless victory on you cory
1: well i feel like if you thought that normal cory was sad <laughs> like this guy is like pathetic
0: yeah magic cory like has like no skills whatsoever Nothing. yeah but yeah i know he's he's getting he's getting thrashed and then but this time he like passes out and he opens his eyes oh like all of his friends are looking down on him in their human form and stuff like that and so like you know he looks around and and says, Oh, you're all still alive. And then Chuck and Stacy say in unison, Just like real life. It's like, Oh, I, okay, this is a bit. Because <laughs> like, this is, <laughs> is the way they would say, Just like real life. Uh, and then, of course, Dell, uh, Demon Vision Dell is one who gives up the ghost because he says, He starts spitting up white goo and is like, Oops. Like, oh, what a stinker. He gave away the fact that this isn't real. And then everyone starts to come into demon form. And then we go back to the real world uh, and El- Elaine is now transformed into a demon. But using whatever weird superpowers that Super Corey has, he's able to transform her back. So at least it seems like he has some skills. And then Corey has like a vision of his like dead dad saying that he always loved him and then cutting his wrist. But then also trying to cut him and like, oh, this is another vision and he was supposed to get cut but super cory is resisting super demon's illusion powers and then has like a weird like back and forth with the super demon where he's like i know what you're really afraid of what you're afraid of is uh, that we're alive and we can feel or whatever it's like a really dumb sort of speech and then fortunately at the end he just gets chucked across the room by super demon cuz again like this thing isn't going to like lose to you in like a battle of like argument. passion yeah, like, uh, so Super Demon is taunting him about how he doesn't need magic to take his soul. And, uh, then he'll also, uh, take Elaine once he's done with him. And, um, then Elaine, uh, not down with that idea, burns Super Demon in the back with, like, a fire poker that was in use earlier. Uh, so, you know, Super Demon is hurt. And then that was enough, I guess, for Super Cory to, uh, use one of raiden's special moves and like dive across the room and knock over a super demon um and that is what holds super demon off long enough for elaine to read the last spell from the book which works it's it banishes the super demon uh by having the fireplace explode forth with fire that engulfs the super demon
1: yeah that tracks
0: <laughs> so it's like ah we banished him with the power of fire and uh, the, I think the demon was saying stuff but again the distorted voice inaudible. I have no idea what he's yep. saying yeah it was inaudible dialogue yeah it was inaudible um, a lot of animation effects flying out of the super demon until suddenly he explodes which blows up the house again
1: So and somehow second, they're fine
0: second time blowing up the house and also somehow there's additional house rubble somehow the house it's the exact
1: same explosion shot from the first time <laughs>
0: Somehow, the exact same. Oh, it was in the same house, same explosion. That's fair. What's the deal? Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> and then I put in my notes. Uh, Corey and Elaine survived this somehow, covered in uh some rubble that seems more like cardboard because they just kind of push it off and they're fine. Oh, and Corey's back to human. He's not, you know, Star Trek Corey anymore.
1: I kind of wish he would have been stuck like that.
0: I mean, he would deserve it for leading all his friends to their deaths.
1: Yeah, pretty much.
0: Um, so yeah, they, uh, he, this is when you learn that like it worked cause he goes to the front door, but you know, rather than seeing an extra dimensional version of the former like farmhouse, it's just ruins, which suggests that the, it must be over. Uh, and Corey smiles at Elaine, like, Hey, we did it. Then back to on the way out of the area, uh, they stop the SUV at Harcourt's, uh, station. There's supposed to be, I guess, a scary scene because Elaine comes in and is like, harriet like like asking for harriet who's um like in the shadows uh sitting there and it's like it's like oh you have to know my uncle was it's like and then elaine's like oh i know and then uh because demons love surprises demon harriet is like i have a surprise for you because she's in shadow clearly she's Mm -hmm. demonized yep but then elaine is like obviously we have a surprise for you too and then Corey comes in with the book and blast demon harriet with like a spell book beam which apparently that book has now <laughs> is yeah beam like, why didn't you use
1: that earlier you could have saved at least two of your friends
0: i know look let me think the moral of the story is if you're ever involved in like demon shenanigans read your ancestors entire spell book before any of your friends are dead so you find the secret spells at the end of the book that you need to win with
1: i mean he let del die because he kissed elaine right?
0: Oh uh, yeah, well I don't know. Like yeah, I guess so. And he's like, it's like I don't. Whenever Jack's like, I don't think they're gonna make it. It's like yeah, I don't either. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I think he he let Dell die for sure. It was like Terry was just was just like collateral damage from that. <laughs> and then there's like one last scene, little scene. They're speeding away in their SUV, and then uh leaving behind a creepy little girl from earlier who's holding the stick. But now she's the demon. Who would have thought? Who would have guessed?
1: You want know I put in my notes?
0: What
1: I guess there's no Dennis in hell,
0: yeah. Clearly, oh, look at all (laughs) that! But yeah, so now, like, the credits roll to some 80s music with electric guitar. Uh, Tubi tries to play a movie that we are interested in and probably won't cover until next year, (laughs) and that (laughs) is Demon Wind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, since you're already in the transition mood, what's next?
0: Well, you know, now that we've said it, uh next up is Judgment Categories, So and Season Devilish Duology Edition. Mm-hmm. Should I say that every time? It's not like the categories changed. It's just I said that. <laughs> oh, but hold on. I just said that. But we got to pump the brakes because we forgot it last time. We don't want to forget it this time. Oh, yeah. The McMurder, the McMurder of, the of the movie.
1: How dare we?
0: Yeah. So before we get into our judgment categories, that McMurder of the movie has to be said. Now, mm. I have one in mind, but I would love to hear your, your thoughts on this first.
1: I love the roundhouse kick.
0: When he roundhouse kicks the demon's head off,
1: yeah, I love. It's got to be the tongue,
0: the the yeah, the cow skull tongue. Yeah, <laughs> bites bites Rena's head. Yes, <laughs> for, for a couple reasons. One was like, what? Whenever I saw it, I was, were like, you serious? He's like, this is one of the best effects in the movie, and use it for a tongue that flies out of a cow skull, and then it just bites her head and kills her. But then I'm also like. Who even was that? Like she literally got introduced to the movie halfway through and then dies like three quarters of the way through. Like, why was she even here? It's like her and Willie were just like, Hey, we have more ideas for death scenes. We don't have enough characters. It's like, Oh, just screw it. Just write two more in. (laughs) So
1: I'm trying to think like the, the other one, the fingernail kill was pretty cool. Um,
0: that Was cool, it just didn't look as good as the cow skull.
1: Yeah, I'm just trying to think of another. There was another really good one that it's it's escaping me right now. It's, it must not have been that good. But well, yeah, I, I
0: did, I did a kind of like um the death of uh of Jack because of him yes. turning into a child and then a baby and then yes. a dove. I'm like, what is happening? Yes. Like, what is
1: like, this? oh, we saw his soul.
0: It's like, okay, <laughs> it's. Just because it was like inexplicable, like much of this movie. Is. Yeah,
1: right. Yeah, that has got to be the tongue, right? I mean, it's got to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I'm, so is that it? It's official.
1: Oh, the other one I was thinking of was um, Barbara. Is that her name, Barbara? Did I say that right? No. Mm. Why did I say Barbara? The um the super demon guy when he eats when he like sucks the life force out of the girl.
0: Oh, Bonnie.
1: Bonnie. That's what it was. Yeah, that was a good yeah, one. Yeah, but, but was but it I doesn't beat up. it doesn't beat the tongue.
0: I don't think it beats the tongue.
1: It doesn't beat the tongue.
0: Yeah, because it was clear that like Bonnie was going to be sacrificed once we saw that she'd survived. Yeah. And then but then like once like that was out of nowhere. Like Rena, mm-hmm. this character we've barely gotten to know, just instantly gets like grabbed by around the neck by a cow skull tongue and just drags her into its jaw. It's like, what?
1: Yeah, perfect.
0: <laughs> all right. McMurder the movie. It's official. Heard it here first. Extra, extra. Read all about it. Arena getting grabbed by a cow skull tongue. And
1: tongue down by a demon.
0: That is not how I'd phrase that, but <laughs> that is what happened, I guess. So there you go. All right. Now back to the earlier part. Do you want me to introduce it again or can you just work it around that?
1: No, we're good. Just uh right. we just need to enter the categories.
0: Yes. Yeah, well, of course. I'm not I'm not an amateur. Of course, of course. <laughs> no it was a cow yeah uh, but yeah so for our judgment categories we have uh story slash writing uh acting effects music with sound included with music and then finally the cult factor which is that little x factor that makes these movies so special so let's start with story and writing <laughs> uh mm you know it kept me guessing hey. that's that's for sure
1: hey you know what my favorite letter and identity crisis is what's that the c <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man this is a tough one
0: it is yeah i i really think that usually it, like the the story like is usually the thing i like the most about anything but this one it's so like like it keeps the audience from understanding what's happening so many times, like it's so like uh random and kind of like like inconsequential stuff are given like so much time that important stuff is just like rush through It's like I can't tell what matters and what doesn't so and in my like, notes,
1: sorry good, no, no, go ahead. I was' gonna say in my notes i I literally wrote I'm like, was this a film project because like the beginning of the movie seemed like it was they like their assignment was to capture certain shots or certain moods or certain things. And it was almost pieced together that way just to to get the shots in. Yeah. I don't know, man, this is a tough one. I'll, I'll I'll roll with you on this, but I, I don't
0: even know where to start. Uh, I'm, I guess I have to go see, like, it seems like so much of the plot is hinged on the fact that he basically lured his friends out to this old family farm without telling them anything they were going into. (laughs) And then so many people just die because of him being irresponsible, and it's just like it's not even like like oh in the story he felt he had to do this. It's like no, we're not giving a real reason for why he has to do this. Like yeah, no, I I I think I'm gonna go see. Like it it keeps you on your toes. (laughs) It turns into a weird like extra like spiritual elf man that also still can't fight the super demon. (laughs) So what was the point of it? But yeah, I'm going to have to say, see this too much of it is either uh totally indiscernible and r- like almost random. And then too much of it that isn't is like, but why, <laughs> like, why did you do this? <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to have to go with see on that. Uh, I
1: agree. I, I mean, I,
0: you forwarded it. Yeah. You forwarded yeah. the C. I just, if anything you wanted to remark on about it, other than the com- almost like student film feel that you said it had to it. I mean
1: so I feel like there are certain lines of that story that worked well and I feel like I feel like they had like a very they had a couple things in mind and they're like well how do we even tie this together and they just kind of like winged it that's kind of how I felt um I don't even know how they could make a second one so I I hope they don't but we shall um, see
0: unless they actually explain it <laughs> and then it's like yeah or, he's actually or yeah, that's yeah.
1: or that's even better like if it's the if it's the movie is about what happened during like when he took over like that would be cool
0: nice so yeah so story slash writing that is a c um how about acting where are we gonna go with this
1: man i hate to do this i i think an a i loved i don't know why i just love the characters
0: i actually was thinking the same thing
1: okay cool do we ever disagree i don't know i don't think so but
0: and then i mean (laughs) <laughs> you never know but yeah know. like there there was that whole like i just love the duo of um like the idea that the duo of chuck and stacy when they died i was like no i wanted more of chuck and stacy and their adventures and like you know even though dell was super annoying and stuff like that like mm-hmm. he's still like that performance was nuanced like he was doing stuff with that guy like he was like also like insecure and like hyper masculine and all that. Like there's a lot going on there. Like they didn't have to do that much with it. And like, even like um, our man, Corey, like he's playing him up as like this, like kind of weird, you know, aloof detached kind of dude. But like he did kind of come alive when he was like greeting his friends and stuff like that, especially Jack. It seemed like Jack was his best friend and it makes sense that he survived to the end. Yeah. And then all of the characters kind of had their own archetypes like Bonnie being very superstitious. Jack really wasn't, you know, um, obviously kind of talked already about, um, you know, <laughs> Chuck and uh, uh, Chuck and Stacy. So I, I feel like every character other than Willie and Rena, who basically just show up to die. But right. Other than them, though, every other character like had a very clear and defined like performance t- that they had that made you kind of want to see more of them.
1: So have you seen the new Romeo and Juliet? Like, I think it was it Baz Luhrmann. Is that who did it?
0: Uh, I haven't seen it No,
1: Honestly, you haven't.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Okay. Um, so Stacy, like, um, when he does that really cool, like quick monologue thing he does where he like, like affirms his like friendship with like Corey, like was, I, I thought was such a cool Like he's definitely, I, I think state, the guy that played Stacy definitely had some theater background because it, such a Shakespearean way to like deliver that line. I, and I loved it. I'm like, that's so cool. Um, and then he dies. And then we, like, it was just his death line. And then uh, it was just so cool. I, I love those characters so much.
0: Yeah. I've heard yeah. a lot about his greeting with, with uh, Corey, but it did stand out a lot.
1: No, it was so cool. Yeah. It was just such a well delivered. I think it was only probably like three or four sentences, but it was just so the way he delivered it. Yeah, if you've ever watched anyone listening, if you've ever watched the new version of Romeo and Juliet, well, it's not new, it's from I think it's from the late 90s early 2000s um with Leonardo DiCaprio. Um
0: Oh, yeah, lot, I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, so like a lot I of the lines I was are, the one you were talking about?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of the the lines of dialogue are delivered like how Stacy talks. So I thought it was pretty cool. It's like a modern like kind of old-timey speak but like in a modern twist. I I don't know. I liked it.
0: Yeah, you kind of had like a, a iambic pentameter sort of cadence. Thank you. I couldn't think of the. That's my master's in literature at work. Yep, sir. there you go. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, then there you go. Acting. A. heard it here first. When I. It's surprising to see like the, the story takes such a beating and the actors to not, because usually we struggle with that exact opposite thing. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. So next up on our list is effects. Why don't
1: you, I always take this one. Why don't you go for it? I'm curious to see what you, what you thought. Cause there's a lot of stuff that you like and there's a lot of stuff that you hate. So I'm curious to see how you feel about this.
0: There was a lot of like animation stuff and the, yeah, it's like no question that I hate that, but man, just the detail and effort that went into like all of the prosthetics for all of those demons. And mm-hmm. there were so many of them and like on screen at the same time and everything like that. It just seems like, like there's so much like passion and effort that went into that. And they would, and then the way that like when they would get wounded, they would bleed and stuff like that. I mean, there were some like dumb ones, like the spitting up cottage cheese randomly. Like, what is, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing that? But for the most part, like, and they were always like kind of wet and they look kind of like slimy. And it, it's just like, such an interesting amount of detail in the prosthetics. It's disappointing to see all of the like kind of dumb effects with like fake looking skeletons and all the animation effects because the times where they do things in the, like there's some genuinely creepy moments too. like with the, uh like the barn door going up. It's like, Oh, that was kind of weird. I didn't expect that. Or like with the cow skull tongue flying out. Yeah. Like, I didn't think that was this kind of movie. I didn't think you would do that. So, yeah, I am kind of of two minds to it, because, like, whenever it does something really effective, it's like, oh, man, I'm here for this. But then it'll be like, and now here's a animated lightning, and then suddenly these little girls in, like, 19th century dresses appear.
1: Right. Little so. Linda.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> little Linda. Are you little Linda's friends from school? But I guess, yeah, if I had, if I had to make a choice, I'd probably say, I think the prosthetics despite all the things I hate are enough to pull it to a B because those prosthetics were so good as this is a lot of things too. That was just so lazy. It's just clear where all their effort and money went, I guess.
1: Yeah. I, I'd go. Yeah. B's fine. I, I think B's fair.
0: Is that where were you going to go? Were you going to go to?
1: No, I, I would have went with B. I really hated the after effects stuff, especially when he like absorbed all the demons. I hated that scene.
0: Yeah, like it looks they're so, so fake. Even like, if they
1: would have did the lightning, it would have looked better. Yeah, the, the, it just, and then his fireballs when he's fighting them.
0: Yeah, it like, all looks like it's worse than like Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. 1 fireballs. And then, yeah. and then whenever he like catches on fire, they ruin a perfectly good like on fire effect by having him like have random energy shoot out of him. Like, why? Like, you have this cool fire effect, just let it live. And yeah. then you cover it up with like the animation. But I just think the strength of the prosthetics is enough. To get it to for, be for
1: sure and then like with the fireball stuff you could have just done telekinesis like i think they could have gotten away with with doing that um but i i don't know i i agree with you the the fact that they individually designed each demon so there weren't like repeat demons was pretty awesome so yeah it's so um, much
0: effort that went into that like i can't for sure how much effort went into it. it was like no yeah. wonder they had so many makeup people and so many like special effects people to like mm-hmm. like sh- get the demons dressed up and then get them to like Cause like when they do get attacked and stuff like that and they bleed that's practical effects and like that's real stuff. And then it's just too bad that all the other stuff is happening. I guess it's the limitations of like their budget, but it's just disappointing to see they didn't scale it back then to what they could do. So, but yeah, but be then on the strength of the, uh, of those prosthetics. I agree. Uh, next up is, uh, music. And with music, we include sound, uh, (laughs) man, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Do, do we count the not like okay blood of the lamb good absolute Valkyrie, banger yeah good
0: yeah it's solid banger Once stupid again.
1: dubbed audio bad bad shitty fully work with the jeeps driving up to the house bad um
0: inaudible inaudible bad. demon demon dialogue yeah. bad
1: like Explosion sound cool, I guess. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I'd go with a C on this because, like, the, the just if you remove those two songs, there's like nothing. There's there's tense music or, it's according just, to
0: it's just tones. Yeah, yeah it's tense like
1: tense music according to our fine fine closed captioning friends. Uh, yeah. Um, and wind. Oh, I'm sorry, wind.
0: Oh yeah, plenty of wind. There was don't a lot of wind, the wind, which is
1: fair. Um, but I think. Even there are movies that are done earlier than this that have way more audible demon noises or voices or whatever. Um, Cause even when they did the little girls that talked with like the weird overtone, it was hard to understand what they're saying. Um, yeah. That so vocal
0: I, distortion just like wrecked everything.
1: Yeah. It was really weird. I, I don't know why they made that decision. I, I'd go see probably for me. Um, the music didn't really stand out to me when it was there. Obviously the stuff that they didn't write was good and it was, well, it was well thought out, but is that more of cinematography? Like, was that more the director and the writer choosing what song to put there? Um, so, but I, the Foley work for me, I I just can't get over it when he did like watch that flower scene again and you'll hear it instantly because the other actors are talking and they're at a certain audio level And then he pops up and he's at like, like it's like how I sound now with my microphone. Like it's like a studio mic.
0: So they just like dubbed him over later because maybe like they couldn't hear him over the cars or something.
1: Probably something died or, or like one of the mics fell off and that's what the option they had. But to me, I would reshoot the scene, but uh, you know, like you never know how that stuff goes. But to me that, that, that stuff bothers me. So
0: it actually bothered me so much that I almost said, I was going to say D i think like d like that I mean, had to like, be really yeah. bad though yeah so yeah it's yeah, that, like c. no
1: redeeming qualities right f would just be like it was a silent movie i guess
0: whoa what's wrong with silent movies
1: well there's no music i guess there is music
0: there is there's written there's written hmm. with music <laughs> but i i'm actually going to that silent sunday thing this Ooh, weekend so we'll to i'm gonna go see literally a, we have four silent movies but yeah i know uh, yeah c c for music and sound i i agree if it weren't for the the couple of those bangers of songs, I probably right. would have said D, but yeah because we had some of the some of those needle drops. Yeah, I guess we'll go we'll go it, with C. It was like
1: a good artistic choice.
0: No, yeah, it, it it made a lot of sense in both instances.
1: Yep.
0: Um so yeah, uh then our final category is cult factor. Man,
1: I love how we started out with this being like the nice like way to round off movies like Hey, we were kind of shitting on you like for a little bit. Now we're gonna give you a nice grade. But like, sometimes I'm like, like thinking my head, like, because it's hard not to get an A in this category, right?
0: It is hard, yeah.
1: But like, for me, like, some of the stuff in here would bring it down off the A pedestal. But like, I think the strength of like just the memes of the shit that happens in this movie to me puts it at an A. But I'll let you kind of say your piece.
0: Yeah, almost if it hadn't been put in high on life and it became like such a moment online earlier this year, I'd probably just be like, "Eh, yeah, probably a B like it's, it's close, but it's not quite, you know, cult factor a, but you know, you got all of those like weird demon things. Like you have uh, some really strong characters that are interesting enough. Like they really don't get as annoying as, as a lot of other movies do, which, you know, if I can make excuses for annoying characters then I can make excuses for annoying story, but good characters right, yeah so, totally, yeah, I think this is like the flip side of the gate, where I think that the strength of the story kind of makes up for the shortcomings of the actors, and this one it's the other way, the strength of the actors and their performances and their characters makes up for the shortcomings in the story, it's still a fun watch, so yeah, for cult factor i'm gonna I'm gonna say, a, hey, nice, look at us go, look at his like a like absolute uh demonologists because of demons being in here. <laughs> Speaking of demons, next thing is the D-Roll! <laughs> the D-Roll. <laughs> you like how I, <laughs> I, I, I transitioned it. there? Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So, yeah, the D-roll is our very last uh, subsection here uh, where we take another category and just add that, because why not? And our categories for the D-roll are, is it a cult classic, a B-movie, grindhouse, or is it trash? And hopefully we never have to do trash.
1: Yeah, I mean we picked the movies, so
0: I <laughs> Yeah, we'd have to make a <laughs> terrible mistake to yeah, get well, to get trash.
1: I did pick uh, the supernaturals, which again is pretty we, good on DVD. So We whatever. owe it
0: yeah, we owe it a chance to give it a we owe it a chance. A, yeah, like a, a short reevaluation. So <laughs> short. we'll we'll plan that. Yeah, like I was thinking like a like a shorter episode we'll talk about it and be like, yeah. here's here's what it's like when you can actually tell what's going on. <laughs> But we're not talking about supernaturals right now. We're talking about demon wind. So what are you where feeling? are you at with this? Okay. One? Where am I at? Yeah,
1: man. I'd love to give it a cult classic. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I'm right on the line. I think it's a B movie. That's like my guts going B movie. There's so many things that are just like not cool.
0: Yeah. It, it's, I feel like if cult classic is like anyone enjoy this because of what it is i do think a b movie is like you got to be invested a little bit in the genre or something so yeah i think b movie is fair i i think that the performances are great but i don't know if there's enough here in the the prosthetic effects the pro the prosthetics on the demon actors look amazing but i don't know if that's enough to bring somebody in especially when there's kind of a lull you know about halfway through so i think b movie's fair
1: Yeah, I think if they wouldn't have done the weird, like, morph at the end with him, I probably would feel a little nicer or feel a little bit more inclined to be nice when grading this. But, yeah, I I can't. I can't give it the—it does check a lot of boxes, but I can't give it the cult classic rating. I got to go B-movie.
0: Yeah, I feel like B-movie is—it's not really—like, because we give so many cult classic grades out, I feel yeah. like the, the D role becomes like, if it's not a cult classic, well, then what is it? But it's like, no, 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 no. Like a B movie is basically just a qualified recommendation. I think that's what this is. This is a qualified recommendation.
1: Yeah. Like, Look, I love B movies. So like, don't, <laughs> we, we love guys. We love B movies and gals. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's, uh, your favorite, it's your favorite
0: Seinfeld movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. No, I thought it was Billy Crystal.
0: <laughs>
1: I did. That's what I thought. Remember?
0: I do remember. It's just funny to see you dredge up your greatest shame.
1: <laughs> yeah. Luckily I owned it that episode because yeah, you would uh, have to then a very lengthy apology. I know.
0: And the effects go. I would have uh, put on
1: that would have probably uh, lost us. Most of our viewers
0: Perfect. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or listeners.
0: wouldn't. Yeah. Our viewers were like, good. I didn't want them anyway.
1: Yeah. Our- but
0: yeah, I know. So yeah. D roll B movie. Heard it here. Stop the presses. That's it. That's the D roll.
1: Yeah. And so this is wrapping up our uh, Samhain season devilish duology, which is kind of sad season
0: devilish duology.
1: (laughs) Um, It's sad because I actually really liked the name and I liked doing these. I like these blocks, right? So I know you had talked about some other blocks that we're going to do, but I, I don't think we're there yet. Maybe we'll do a Christmas one. Maybe fingers crossed, hopefully.
0: Maybe um, time's been moving really fast. So it's kind of hard to get one in, but yeah, we I I've an idea I've been kicking around. So hmm.
1: well, so if we're not gonna do a block next, like what's on what's on our agenda? What are we doing next?
0: Well, I'm glad you asked, Shane. So since <laughs> we're not diving into some weird Thanksgiving themed <laughs> block after our Halloween themed one. You're welcome. Uh <laughs> uh, we're actually going to be doing the, what is it, 1988 uh, classic film, Maniac Cop. Hell yes. Maniac Cop, the movie that says, hey, what if a cop just, like, killed people? That'd be crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's, that never happens. So, yeah, so <laughs> Maniac Cop is our next movie. It has some amazing actors It has uh, it's written by a a return, a returning face or I guess not face, but a returning contributor to films that we've seen. So very excited to to go into Maniac Cop Uh, for those who want to watch it and then follow along with us when we discuss. um, It's actually pretty widely available. It's definitely on Tubi. Um, I thought it was on shutter, but it is not um, only the second and third ones are on shutter. So that makes uh, sense. <laughs> yeah. Cause of course, uh, but you know, it is available for free on uh Tubi, Pluto TV and Plex uh, all three of which are free apps and ad supported and you can watch it for free on any of those. Uh, and then if you like it, you can go find the sequels on shutter. If you have shutter, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's that awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for Maniac Cop. We, well, because this ties into our first movie that we've ever done. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah, it
0: ties into our first one. Pretty excited. It has uh, one of uh, Pittsburgh's favorite favorite sons of horror, isn't it? Kind of showing my card, uh, showing my hand a little bit, but it's Tom Atkins. I love Tom Atkins, so (laughs) it's good. I'm very excited for him. Yeah, uh, I think this is a great choice. Yeah, I think Maniac Cop is a good way to... It's like, you know, whenever you come hot off of like a series like this, like the Sawin season devilish duology, you really got to come out swinging. And I think Maniac Cop is the swing. So,
1: yeah, we need to excited. cleanse our palate from demon, demon wind there.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is it is kind of like, you know, we just got a dose of supernatural and now he's just a guy killing people. So a little different pace.
1: It's fair. So just. Quickly, you can find us at um, the Dark Side Drive-In on Instagram. We're at Dark Side Drive-In on Twitter. And um, I am still working on the Facebook. I'll get there. Um, I'm not a fan of Facebook. But, um, sorry, hold on one second. On. My dog's been trying to go to the bathroom for like a half hour.
0: Oh, no, we got to hurry.
1: <laughs> My hands are numb. I've been petting her. <laughs> she stays here. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so... um check us out our website, dynamismedia.com. Um, check out our other channels, other content. We'll have more stuff coming soon. Um, you can reach Stefan at, uh, dark schneid on Twitter. And, uh, what, what is your Instagram handle?
0: My Instagram? Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, I think it's dark schneid is dark schneid was taken on there. So yeah, Double check, uh, who am I? Is me. Uh, oh yeah, it's, it's dark schneid is. So it's okay. all one word
1: yep so dark schneid i s dark schneid is mm-hmm. um yeah you can find us uh we're, we're gonna post a lot of stuff probably on instagram going forward i'll Twitter's become almost unusable at this point I'll still tweet some stuff out but it's been pretty rough so probably not gonna do too much over there a lot of uh people ask me to work with them on graphic design which is a little annoying but you know it is what it is but um but yeah that's all I had for for today did you have anything else?
0: uh no i mean this episode is gonna drop what like less than a week before halloween so you know in the spirit of the season everyone have fun be safe out there and uh you know enjoy the the season for all of the spooky fun that it is
1: enjoy the sowen season
0: the sowen season
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i've been shane
0: and i have been stephanie bye (laughs)
1: i <laughs>